0: it's this week in sleaze with your hosts the great lord joshua wrigley and sleazy k
1: this podcast has been rated category three no one under 18 may be permitted Let's talk fucking that happened for real once again, yay!
2: What?
1: <laughs> but uh, also award-winning fucking again. Like on the Untold Story and the Rapist episode, like this week in Sleaze 18, I believe, we're heading into areas where Hong Kong filmmakers took real-life crimes and depicted those stories on the big screen. And once again, one of those efforts got an award. And tonight we're there for talking Clarence Fox's Remains of a Woman and Cha Chun-Yi's Legal Innocence, both from 1993 and my name is Lisa Kay, and with me is the great Lord Joshua Regal, having as much fun as we can with the grim material out of reality. Uh, but uh, we, we should be thinking of uh, exploiting this, uh, this thing we've got going on here. I think we should start a hotline and share our experiences uh, talking fucking! <laughs>
0: sounds <laughs> uh, like a great idea,
1: man. Because cause there's money to be made, and as crazy as that sounds... Stick with the show we, We're gonna tell you that, uh, that it's, it's not as crazy as it sounds You yes. know We can make a million Hong Kong dollars in a week If we uh, do this right <laughs> <laughs> uh, But uh, this is uh, This week is uh, 21 uh, So uh, here we are And uh, how are you the Great Lord Josh uh, It's
0: 6am and I'm kicking it I'm ready to party
1: He's, uh, he's disciplined. I, I never force him out of bed at 6 a.m. It's like his, his, own, his own initiative, so good, I man. Ju-
0: I jump up, I toot some cocaine, and I'm just ready to freaking podcast my brains out.
1: Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this puts another spin on the whole, uh, on, the whole on the whole show. right, let's do it. Coke in the movies and Coke in me. It <laughs> <laughs> you know all makes sense
0: take it all very serious man i gotta get you know in the same frame of mind as the characters i'm going to be discussing you know
1: okay you americans (laughs) you crazy americans (laughs) with your breaking bad so you are influenced in real life as well (laughs) hell yeah walter white yes well in in these movies uh, at least uh the characters put um, um, acid into containers and uh, that uh, didn't uh, dissolve. You know what I mean? la Breaking Bad, <laughs> you remember? <laughs> <laughs> With the whole bathtub, <laughs> bathtub went through the floor. Yes. <laughs> In these movies that we're going to talk about, the characters do the corroding right. All kind of bodies, right?
0: Well, kinda. Yeah.
1: Uh, but uh, we'll talk more about uh, what all this means. After the contact information, this is this weekend's least 21 on the Podcast on Fire Network website for this. The bonus episodes and our bonus boner episodes. S- bis, plural, we've done many. Uh, Podcast on Fire.com. Email for feedback Podcast on Fire at googlemail.com Join us on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash POF Network is our page that you can click and like. And you can also discuss all manner of stuff with us over at the Podcast on Fire Network Facebook group. Follow the link on the page I just said, or type in Podcast on Fire Network in this Facebook search bar. Delegate to the group and welcome in. Have fun. Uh, tweet us twitter.com forward slash Podcast on Fire. Hit me up on my site. I do writing of category free movies, among other things, at sogoodreviews.com. And I do video reviews at video.com And I tweet at twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews. This week's lease is on iTunes, and you can subscribe to us there if you prefer to do so, to have your podcast delivered automatically, so to say. And if you like the show, please leave a little star rating and a little written comment even. That would very much be appreciated. And those of you who have, thank you very much for taking time. That means a whole lot, regardless of the show you did comment on. So well. Thank you very much. Uh, You can stream us on Stitcher Radio. That application is available to your iPhone, iPad, Android, or BlackBerry. And that application is free to download. And once you're in Stitcher, type in or search Podcast on Fire Network. And that should give you the option to add each show individually. So uh, thank you very much for supporting us via streaming. And you can comment on, uh, on the application nowadays as well. So thank you to those who have as well the intro is done by shelf brian Kirby's shelflifeclothing.com and our own the great lord joshua regal and shelflifeclothing.com is your number one stop for great t-shirt designs with uh, kind of retro movie themed artwork but I-, I like brian's mashup or entirely invented Movie artwork that he then puts on t shirts, like his made up kaiju movies, his made up Django movies, and what have you. And um, Brian is very talented, has support of his show, and support him by picking up a t shirt. And move it over to you, the great lord, your sure Eagle. Tell us uh, your endeavors, uh, over at Varied Celluloid, and in short, what's what's going on right now, even though it might not be super current when the show is released.
0: What's crack lacking? Well, um... Let me let
1: me guess, you're reviewing porn. <laughs> no, no no
0: that's more of a so good reviews thing man but, uh, yeah,
1: oh uh, yeah i've trademarked that shit so <laughs> you
0: know. no uh yeah currently yeah i don't know what's gonna be happening by the time this uh out but on oh, buried celluloid not a whole lot here lately man this summer's gonna be really tough on me because of school and everything like that so um Yeah, it's going to be kind of hit and miss with uh, the reviews coming out and stuff like that. You know, hopefully I can be kind of... uh, Hopefully I can kind of stay busy and post up a review every now and then. But, uh, yeah, right now I'm about to do a little rush of movies and finish off some of these Blu-rays I have sitting up that I'm kind of have to review. Mm. But uh, after that, over the next two months I should be you know, my ass is going to be staying in books,
2: so, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, not a whole lot going to be happening there, and over on, uh, vcinemashow.com, uh, currently the podcast, uh, it's looking like it's winding down, Aww. you know, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, I, I don't know if John, by the time this comes out, I'm sure John will have said something, but I'm pretty sure, uh, pretty much it's going to go on permanent hiatus, and, uh you know what have you but i'll still occasionally jot down some words over at vcinemashow.com and i'm still uh heavily involved in that and uh
1: well to state the blog is always active at vcinemashow.com it's the podcast that uh, takes we we know this uh, a podcast takes time to produce Mm -hmm. when you actually uh uh, want the content in there and kind of a, a direction and i'm not saying just recording a Skype call with your friends and putting that on a podcast is necessarily yeah. bad, but that's John's direction, uh, yeah. so and and that takes time.
0: Yeah, John uh, heavily edits and stuff like that. Uh, it's not like a very simple thing for him, and he's also about to be married shortly, so you know he's about to be a much, you know, I guess busier dude mm-hmm.
1: than before. Uh, so it's all good. Uh, for reference sake uh, Tell us over uh, Varied Celluloid URL once more
0: Okay uh, VariedCelluloid.net Is the website And also Visit the Facebook page uh, Facebook.com Slash VariedCelluloid
1: He posts porn On that thing. Oh
0: man dude There's all kinds Of nasty Fucking porn <laughs> Go in there Check it out You'll love
1: it Fart porn and Oh uh, yeah man,
0: got dudes With like You know Powder and stuff like that Farting on girls faces And Just <laughs> nastiest tentacle stuff you've ever seen there's like right now there's a girl on there with like sushi rolls and god you do not want to know what she does with those or maybe you do you can have to look
1: well it's probably on a sign up uh, DVD because they put up some put, put out so many crazy <laughs> movies I think that content is in one of uh, you know whatever hor- horny school girl teacher 5 or whatever
0: <laughs> Our, yeah sex teacher hunting at midnight on that. <laughs> (laughs) Just making up titles now, it doesn't really matter.
1: I will see those uh, covers since, like, uh, it's never-ending, those uh, releases (sighs) of, like, like, what what was it I saw today, like, Sex Cat or something? Yeah,
0: She-Cat or whatever. She-Cat,
1: okay. But Golden Gun was covering up the girl's boobs, and uh, (laughs) so...
0: I want, man, there's so many of those movies I want. (laughs) Uh, Like, you know, right now I'm so behind on collecting their stuff right now that I've got to... Pretty much throw down a hundred bucks just to kind of get halfway caught up.
1: And then, in order to maintain a relationship, I don't think you should buy the, the their movies for one hundred bucks in one go. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And and don't request that that stuff for your second anniversary.
0: That was, you know, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was thinking like, you know. Uh yeah, I just recently had my one year anniversary with my girlfriend and stuff like that. It's like if I'd have done like an Amazon wish list or something like that and if I'd have added to all uh, the oh. movies I wanted that yeah, could have got weird.
1: <laughs> Imagine if Amazon was an actual store and you forced her to like yeah, just go into the store and give them the list. Yeah, you know, I want this <laughs> And and then she just looks and sighs and <sighs> like <laughs>
0: what is it? Uh Nympho Diver G String
1: Festival,
0: <laughs> <laughs> baby. Don't I want Nympho Diver? It's it's good. No, no. The title's just you know, oh, it's pfft. weird.
1: And instead, you got a free a Nintendo 3DS instead. So. That's
0: badass. I
1: do not 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 enough porn on it, but uh, what are you gonna do?
0: <laughs> ah yeah, what are you gonna do? Uh, just anyway. wait for the Zelda porn. It's be <laughs> great. 3d
1: Uh, anyway we are taking a break and then we're gonna discuss specifically what we're gonna do for this show that might be quite epic but uh, stick with us and uh, after 30 seconds we'll be right back Welcome back and we are first covering Remains of a Woman from 1993 but uh, I'm going to explain a little bit there what will be going on in the next uh, next two hours really. And this is one of those shows where we talk background of the actors before discussing uh, the movie in order and whatever background we can find on the real-life crime depicted in these two movies. Uh, so if you want to jump straight to re- review or any segment in this show please ...check the show description that you should be able to read... ...when you're listening on Stitcher, for instance. It's obviously on podcastonfire.com, the running times for each segment. But for your information, this is the running order. First, we'll discuss Remains of a Woman, uh, the backstory of the actual crime... ...that Remains of a Woman and Legal Innocence covers. After that, we'll do little bios on the main actors, James Pax and Carrie M... ...and then the review and discussion of the movie will follow... There will be a break after that, as per usual, and after that the Legal Innocence section opens with a few biographical notes on actors Francism, Cecilia Yip, and then the review and discussion of the movie follows. Again, all detailed in the running times that's written out in the show post. Uh, So let's start this then. A plot from my review of the film. James Pax stars as Billy Chan, a corrupter and feeder on the week. Of off the week. In this case, two desperate women, Judy, played by Carrie M, and Lisa, played by Jacqueline Law. They collide in his depraved world of sex and drugs, with Lisa ending up dead, hacked up, and left to, to corrode in acid, in a box. Sentences are carried out, but a retrial is on the horizon and a... Uh, I've written a lawyer, I think it's actually a police officer, Melvin Wong plays, uh, plays well, that role.
0: Nah, I think you're right. He's a... um. Damn it. What is he? A prosecutor is what he is. Alright,
1: I, th- I thought it was the character that from real life that we're going to talk about. But uh, okay, regardless, we- we'll say a lawyer re examines the facts, <laughs> and uh, Melvin Wong plays him. Uh, Melvin Wong from Writing Wrongs, and uh, what have you, the bad guy from Writing Wrongs. So, this um, is based on a real life crime and a case uh, that took place. Uh, you know, the whole story kind of covers 1985 and uh, then a few years into the 90s, but I believe the murder happened in uh, around about 1989. And uh, this history and uh, recap of it, and that will obviously means that the movie will be spoiled uh, because I, I believe in paying respect to the reality of victims when we can when talking when exploitation movies were made on those topics. So, I mean, uh-huh. this the, the show is a big old a big old. Uh, should uh you know uh we should have a spoiler warning and that comes now or you know so if you want to go in clean and don't know anything watch the movies if you can find them but if you don't care then uh keep on listening and we'll uh we'll talk about uh the whole case
0: yeah i mean you gotta think that like people in hong kong they probably were very familiar with the story beforehand so you know it's not like they went into it going like
1: oh what, what, what are they talking
0: about i remember mm. something you know
1: it's so. pretty, it was pretty current at that time as well. It was only a few years after the retrial that we're, we're going to talk about wrapped right. up. Yeah. So it's a, it was not one of those 30, 40 year, years old crimes akin to Sentence to Hang, if you remember that. That crime took yeah. place in like the late 50s, early 60s in a movie... Yeah uh sentence to hang was made in 1989 but there was a 1971 movie made on it as well but still it was uh still a few years after it so um you know and 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 you're right uh, i mean it was a uh, headline news and all of that so
0: it's like seeing a uh it's like watching the manson family from uh, jim van Beber or something like that you kind of mm-hmm. already know the story so mm. yeah it's uh, hard absolutely
1: not to have spoilers. Yeah, exactly. It's a good comparison, actually. Uh, but uh, we base our information from, uh, on the chapter in the book Hong Kong Murders by Kate Whitehead, and essentially the events that led up to the finding of the body started with essentially the neighbors of Patrick Wong, which is the James Peck's character in Remains of a Woman renamed to Billy Chan, but his name is actually kept for legal innocence. Uh, the neighbors complained about the smell in his house and the stairwell, and it led to a police call to com- complain about the stench. And uh, Patrick wasn't given a good, helpful impression when the police bursted in. There. He's saying really that the stench was due to his rabbit and goldfish having died. Yeah, he's actually goldfish. He included in uh, his statement. Uh, <laughs> the girlfriend
0: but- originally was uh, Kitty, actually you know, in the story or whatever, went downstairs and told the neighbors, like, I'm sorry for the stench, my goldfish died.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they were like...
1: <laughs> Two <you> know, crazy, <laughs> coke- fueled uh, ca- characters trying to get away with something here. Yeah. Cole was put through to Ker P as an Australian detective working in Hong Kong and based on the detail given to him, there, there was suspicions that there might be a case of drugs being manufactured in the apartment of uh, patrick's as well so they arrived patrick was confronted and indeed the place looked like the aftermath of at least a party where drugs were a key component and it was hard not for the officers that arrived uh, to notice this nauseating smell and uh, the room or several rooms were foggy despite windows being open and uh, the character of uh, kitty or in real life or Judy as um, Karim's character is named in Remains of a Woman was present here and quite in in a noticeable manic state and uh, as the officers followed the vapors they um, went into the bathroom and led into there and they discovered the cause of the smell. A huge aluminum tank was set in the bath and this is what Patrick claimed where his pets were but upon opening the box amidst the the dissolved remains uh, in sludge form uh, was a human skull no animal there <laughs> so uh, uh, first uh, Patrick uh, and the kitty were arrested on drug charges as. The murder investigation was too early in the process, so they couldn't arrest them on, on that charge based on that finding. But the drug charge was a pretty given one. Uh, after the two got to seeking medical detention for this heavy use of uh, drugs, I believe uh, at least Patrick's uh, nose was kind of um, uh, kind of messed up uh, as the story actually goes. Uh, Kitty was, um, uh, was uh, formally charged with uh, drug offense. Um, I don't think he necessarily was... Uh, Uh, and uh, she started to lay the blame on him and uh, on on patrick uh, because of this and thus starting a bit of a divide between this uh, couple if you will that will run through the story Uh, but uh, going back uh, patrick was brought up in america and started taking uh, drugs after his mother died of cancer in 1987 he left his job as a truck driver in new jersey and um, to be with her uh, to take care of her and after she passed he returned. To America. And at this point, he was introduced to heroin, he switched to cocaine, and just a few months after his mother's death, his father passed as well, leaving Patrick with a 51,000 US dollar uh, inheritance. Yes, he sold his mother's flat as well, got another 1 million Hong Kong dollars for it, and started to live an indulgent lifestyle. Uh, he loved driving around on the beaches of the south side of Hong Kong at night, doing coke off the dashboard, and uh, but also gambling. And uh, this is how we met Kitty. Uh, he earned over two hundred thousand Hong Kong dollars at the races. She worked at the jockey club, and he gave uh, Kitty, who was working as a cashier, a thousand dollar note. And this unhappily married cashier and Patrick soon became lovers based on this interaction. Uh, as these things go, a coke. And gambling habits soon evaporated Patrick's wealth and more sinister things were going to follow. I mean, you already know there were sinister things hovering around this couple based on the found finding of the body. Uh, the body in the aluminum tank or um, or trunk, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a tank, tank or a trunk, but regardless, it was after dissolving beyond recognition, but a man contacted the police uh, because he was worried that, that the victim might be his niece Brenda who is named Lisa in the remains of a woman but the name remains in uh, legal innocence uh, her parents were contacted and they recognized the building Patrick was living in through the media coverage as the same building in a photograph she had shown uh, Brenda had shown her parents uh, with uh, her and her boyfriend and they, know, they knew his uh, surname was Wong and that was Patrick's surname. Uh, Brenda was an stewardess. and she was uh, introduced uh, to Patrick by uh, Patrick's sister, or who was also uh, who was also an air In uh, and that was in 1985. And three years later, in 1988, they ran into each other again and started a relationship. And uh, he he was, you know, alluring as a man with an American background and seemingly classier than any run-of-the-mill Hong Kong guy, at least in Brenda's eyes uh she was fully aware of his cocaine habits but uh was determined to help him you know she felt that much for him and she even trusted him to the extent that she let him borrow 50,000 hong kong dollars to get him back on his feet since his finances again were in the toilet uh, soon thereafter as these things go he started avoiding her and even when they did see each other he didn't seem eager to be physical or anything so it went so far that brenda waited outside of his flat one evening to to meet him to confront him and saw the horrific sight of him arriving with another woman which uh, presumably is uh, kitty Uh, she flew to london the next day uh, brenda that is and wrote a letter saying to patrick saying that she hoped they won't turn into enemies after this and that she doesn't care about the money so you know good 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 girl with good, good attitude just wanted to leave that that horrible horrible stuff behind. Brenda's fingerprints were collected from her room in the parents' house and the pathologist was able to make a positive ID that she was the body in the tank. And this was due to a bit of luck actually. Because thanks to her being placed in the fetal position in the trunk and the left hand was... uh, due to the left hand being pressed against her side they were able to collect prints from her and actually match her up with the dental records as well. So that, that was a bit of luck determined uh, determining the cause of death for Brenda wasn't very clear uh, wasn't very easy and as clear cut because she was so decomposed uh, but uh, based on a human skull that they uh, that they found they had a fear that she'd been suffering head trauma so uh, uh, but uh, Patrick remained tight-lipped in the interrogations uh, however Kitty was uh, you know running her mouth if you will you know she blamed Patrick and the Australian detective again Kerry Pierce couldn't believe his luck Uh, That Kitty actually uh, Kind of easily broke Because if Mm -hmm. both had been tight lipped That case would be very very thin Uh, Kitty said that A trio of Patrick Kitty and Brenda had been in the house That night playing poker Patrick went to the bedroom with uh, Brenda While Kitty remained in the living room uh, Watching TV and snorting cocaine When the horse racing came on She knocked on Patrick's door to check if he wanted to place any bets She came into the bedroom And saw that Brenda didn't move She shook her, and uh, the thought occurred that they needed to call an ambulance. Obviously, so despite being, you know, it all being a very coke-fueled atmosphere, at least uh, at least that uh, at least that um, insistence uh, was there. But Patrick uh, blocked uh, her way and uh, threatened to put blame on her if uh, uh, or violence uh, for threaten her with violence if she tried to uh, call an ambulance or leave. Uh, Strange thing is actually, and this is not in the movie actually. uh, the statement from Kitty, it went on record and then went missing. Hey. Uh, suspicions arose, but I don't don't think they ever uh, found it out uh, properly. That the report was removed by members of Kitty's family because uh, it turns out her father and sister were both police officers, which is f- fucking horrible. That, <laughs> that, uh, that, that uh, so, uh, I mean uh, corruption is horrible, but that that that's just like man no morals whatsoever like just because it's family um how if that was confirmed or not i don't know but the the report actually was uh, missing but it it didn't stop the investigation from going forward Uh, after all is said and done the the events were becoming clearer and uh, uh, the landlady's daughter of the house um, patrick was staying in had heard women quarreling on the night in question and uh and within this verbal fight it sounded like a man was taking the side of one of the women while the other was being bullied, bullied. and then there was silence uh, the next day brenda was due to fly to frankfurt but a woman claiming to be her called and said she was sick and th- this is obviously nothing unusual but uh, a doctor's certificate supporting this claim would normally follow but in the case here, uh, procedures faltered. There never was any doctor's certificate, um, so no one checked up on the legitimacy of uh, this call. Uh, and at the same time, Brenda's uh, credit cards were being used as much as forty Hong Kong, 40,000 Hong Kong dollars on her Visa and Gold card with forced signatures accompanying them uh were 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 found and the investigation into this would lead back to Kitty. And this was an offence she was already under the investigation of because she'd been using her old boss's credit card. Uh uh when i read this i thought of goodfellas you know she did a goodfellas if you will After the big like robbery in goodfellas where yeah. um, de niro says like don't spend anything or if you're gonna spend anything spend it you know wisely and then like two or three of the guys has bought cars and expensive coats for their girlfriends it's like <laughs> yeah no fucking don't
2: be much at the fbi out there what the fuck is <laughs> wrong with you
1: Incredibly funny, uh, funny scene. But uh, you know, I think uh, it uh, speaks to real life criminals as well. I think it happened in Goodfellas. Obviously, I think that's based oh, yeah, on yeah, that,
0: that was legit.
1: She she bought gold necklaces and bracelets. As um, you know, it was very common transactions uh, as they looked into it. Eventually, she also picked up items from a hardware shop, such as several bottles of caustic soda, nitric acid, and alcohol stuff you would need to dissolve a body, possibly. <laughs>
0: That's Uh, got to be, I don't know, it's one of things where, you know, the person at the uh, hardware store or whatever has got to just be like, what the hell is this guy doing? Mm. Buying lye and friggin' acid.
1: Exactly, and it it was a woman in this case apparently buying it, you know, uh, Kitty at least uh, (laughs) making one run uh, to the hardware shop, uh, because I believe they did it multiple times, so... (laughs) And Detective Pierce by this point had considerable evidence at his disposal that the body was dissolved by these two or either of these two. You know, enough evidence and it would seem that that uh, that was enough to link them to the crime. But that that, that was also at the same time a problem. They couldn't link firmly Kitty and Patrick to the murder as fingerprints were missing and even a murder weapon was missing. But eventually it did end up in court in mid-August of 1990 and the Surrounding this, there was a funny story, actually. Uh, b- before the um, the first court day, I, I presume, uh, they reunited the two uh, lovers because uh, Patrick remained silent while Kitty was talking, and they- they'd been separated since their arrest. And uh, Kerry Pierce and the barrister, uh, Kevin Egan, were keen to find out how close Patrick and Kitty really were. So before the trial, they were, were allowed to see each other briefly, and Pierce and Egan had the court's permission to eavesdrop on this encounter through an earpiece, and clearly what was happening, based on the sucking sound they heard, was that Kitty was performing oral sex on Patrick. (laughs) Which kind (laughs) of...
0: (laughs) Which says a lot about the character of Patrick, you know? That, uh, you know, instead of the two of them... Suck it! (laughs) Yeah, for real, like, instead of discussing what's going on, and, like... You know, making sure that everybody's on the same level, kind of like what they did in the actual the movie. You know, yeah. instead of having that discussion, it's like you know, Blue job, bitch, and that's that's what goes down.
1: Kind of a command he had over these um, these two women, and definitely her. Um, the 15-day trial resulted in a guilty verdict and death sentence. But as the death sentence was no longer actually carried out in Hong Kong, as we talked about in our sentence to hang, kidnap. Uh, Episode. This was actually akin to life imprisonment, but it's it's funny to me that it's actually still called death, a, a death sentence. I don't know how that actually works, but um,
0: yeah, especially uh, since, since you're thirty years, you know, and you're still alive
1: mm, afterward, you know. Mm, exactly, and and it's um it's mentioned in both of the movies. I think it's just a uh, part of uh, the legal system that it's supposed to be called that, even though we don't do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it was notable also uh, in Hong Kong justice history, if you will. Because uh, before, no other two people had been found guilty based on circumstantial evidence. But um, the, this is what happens. And uh, Patrick was um, quite a womanizer, even behind bars. Uh, a British woman working as an escort would bring him books. Uh, Kitty's sister Grace supplied him with uh, toiletries and uh, really made sure he looked good as well. You know, I, he even had Grace buy him a pair of four thousand Hong Kong dollar shoes. Uh, d- despite being, you know, obviously they wear prison clothes, these brown prison clothes, but still, apparently he was allowed to wear whatever shoes he wanted. So
0: Prisoners yeah. actually do that a lot. Like, you know, just, uh, I've, you know, I've had family members and stuff like that in prison, and, you know, they'll sit there and get, you know, the family, their family bringing them stuff, but like, and I don't know how they do it, because I've never had no luck, you know, much luck with the ladies outside of prison, but somehow they get these girls writing to them and everything like that, and they'll yeah. get... You know, this girl sending him honey bun money from, you know, over here. This girl sending him money. His mom sending him money, you know, sit there and be stacking up and, you know, buying Air Force One, you know, Nike shoes while, you know, locked up.
1: Yeah, it's it, it it's a pattern we unfortunately uh, um, experience today as well. If you look mm-hmm. at the. Uh, uh, random women or, or random characters like writing to, you know, literal terrorists and they're, and they're claiming like, oh, claiming that they, they love them so much and they feel sympathy towards them. I think I read it in regards to one of the Boston Marathon bombers they had received letters from from women, like love letters. Like, come on, man. Good lord. Yeah. I,
0: um, had a Danish friend, he said that his, like, roommate or friend or whatever was like mailing a guitar to Charles Manson. Wow. Like, you know, I went out and bought a guitar and, like, gonna mail it to Charlie Manson. It's like, fuck that guy. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I
1: yeah, that's uh, that's dark psychology for you right there. Yeah. Um, back to Grace, she also, aside from buying the shoes, she also acted a, as a go-between between uh, and, uh, Kitty and Patrick. Uh, for instance, they discussed back and forth how to further his defense by um, writing to the U.S. consulate. But the woman that truly caught the eye of Patrick was Shirley Wong, a volunteer visitor. Um, she, she'd gone to Christian school and was a member of the Children of God religious sect and Patrick charmed her and the two fell in love. Uh, Shirley introduced Patrick to God and he quickly adopted her faith as well. Eventually he proposed and they got married in prison. Uh, in March of 1993 Patrick and Kitty were back in court and they'd not seen each other for several years and nor had he relayed he, he'd gotten married and something that obviously shocked uh, and changed kitty right there in the courtroom and uh, this retrial concerned kitty's uh, testimony and uh, uh amidst all this she absolved absolved patrick of all the blame uh, saying she and brenda argued over patrick and she struck brenda with a hammer in self-defense uh, she admitted to trying to get rid of the body but not of murder uh, the court also focused on Patrick saying the stench was due to his animals and that he lost his sense of smell through heavy, coca- heavy cocaine usage. Uh, but the turnaround and uh, betrayal was Patrick now blaming Kitty for his troubles,
2: you know,
1: saying he was far from the master here that uh, and she the slave, but rather that she was the controlling force. And he blamed her, f- blamed her for a huge gambling loss at the races as well. So... Um, and Brenda, the deceased Brenda, was painted in a heroic light by Patrick. He loved her, and he, he intended to marry her. And uh, the reason I'm saying it sounding sarcastic is based on what we've seen in the movies and all of that, especially the *Remains of a Woman*. I think uh, Patrick was pretty much a dick, and uh, it was not not convincing at all in anything, uh, especially in, in the *Remains of a Woman*. This is just douchey behavior, you know, manipulative uh, behavior. And uh, Patrick's uh, lawyer convinced the jury that he was not on trial for his morals here, and. Uh, And uh, surely the wife even got on her knees in front of a jury pleading his innocence. You know, being a Christian and all. uh, 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 As legal innocence uh, says, you know, I'm Christian, I never lie. You know, (laughs) he is innocent. Like, based on what? (laughs) Uh, But she seemingly moved the jury, uh, but was thrown out of court, obviously, by the judge. Because uh, you can't have that. Eventually, the verdict was not guilty for Patrick. And Kitty was given seven years for manslaughter. So... This moral man clearly happy to feed. I am judging him because, uh, based on what I've read, I don't don't think uh, there was any doubt that he, um, you know, was. uh, It might not have been murder, but he definitely was a manipulative uh, force and steering force here.
0: You have to be. I mean, the thing is, like. In court, basically, he said because the, you know, membrane between his nose and everything like that had been rotted away because it had been burnt away mm-hmm. through uh, heavy cocaine use. They even said in the story that he took, like, a napkin and, like, ran it up one nose and out the other side, you know, up one nostril to the other, which yeah. is, like, common for, uh you know, heavy cocaine users and stuff like that. I think even Sigmund Freud did that to his nose.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
0: um... Yeah, because of that, he said he couldn't smell or whatever. The you know, so he just went around apologizing because it was he thought it was because of his dog pooping everywhere.
1: Mm.
0: You know, uh, and he was uh, like it's really still very
1: thin, very thin. Dude,
0: how you know? I mean, yeah, right. Like you know, a week of you know, did you not take a shower during that week? You didn't notice that there was a tub you know full of a person you know human being <laughs> yeah. melting inside of your tub? Yeah, yeah I, that's. Beyond implausible, but the, you know, I mean, it is the court system. You have to tie them to the actual moment of death. You know, who was mm. responsible, and if you got one person that stands up, you know, doesn't matter if she's brainwashed or not, who says mm. that you know she was responsible or whatever. Well, it, what
1: it's, it, do? It, it's interesting uh, the movies depict uh, these events quite differently, but the uh, mm-hmm. in legal innocence is actually uh, explained that uh, Kitty kind of just. To have a release to kind of because she, she now knew that uh, patrick had married shirley uh it's now she wanted the release so she kind of took the blame uh right. because uh, anthony wong's character talks about her smiling uh when the verdict was read and, and, and she did get like a seventh year uh, seven years sentence that might be a shorter sentence in reality, so yeah. um, so th- that might have happened dirty. as well. It was not maybe, maybe not that's ho- horrific for her to be betrayed and get the manslaughter sentence while he walked away uh, free.
0: Yeah, that was like a main difference between the two movies. Whereas I got the impression, you know, I could be wrong about this, but in Remains of a Woman, it seemed like uh, the kitty character, you know, had basically come up with her story about you know. The whole, you know, hitting her with a hammer or whatever, you know, as a form of, you know, protection against her, you know, whatever, Brenda was going crazy. Like, she'd come up with that story before the trial and everything like mm. that, where Legal Innocence, it seemed like, you know, she's put on the spot and she eventually, you know, just like, whatever, like, blurts it out. Oh, okay, well, this happened, you know?
1: And and, and the thing is, the only thing we're not going to spoil It's the actual invented twist. Of remains of a woman that is not covered in the the, the very final beats that uh, of, of this uh, recap here. Uh, that that's the only thing I think we'll we'll keep uh, we'll keep in the dark because it's right. uh, it might have happened. Let's just say that we never know. We don't no. know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about it is you know you gotta keep an open mind. There's really mm. no telling what actually happened in this case, and we have two movies here that present two very you know possible scenarios of what happened. You know. I agree
1: uh, because it, it's not a silly twist, but it is a kind. It's also out of left field, but uh, I, I don't mind it. I keep an open mind about uh. certain things. Uh, but anyway, uh, after this uh, uh, this, um, this happy couple now uh, walking away free, you know, Patrick and Shirley, um, they, um, or at least he, but she joined in grasping at the opportunity to exploit this uh, now very publicized and official case. And this is the craziest fucking shit ever. Um he got to star on a hotline called get this melted carcass callers <laughs> where for 10 hong kong dollars per minute this is crazy you could choose from seven topics recorded by patrick and his wife about this whole whole, whole ordeal and get this he made over one million hong kong dollars within a week talk uh way talks talked up presumably the case a little bit uh, but also talking of his newly found understanding of relationships, but uh, g- get this: eighteen months later, him and Shirley were separated. So there you go. Uh, so that that's uh, not as grisly as we talked about the Moon rapist, but obviously a uh, quite a crazy case and obviously a tragic one as well. That never really got um, f- the, the full truth of. Don't think it was ever 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 known. That's why the movies, when they depict the night of the murder, have their own take on it, and it's quite valid, each take, I believe.
0: I'm uh, just uh, reading, like, uh, conversions and stuff like that. One million Hong Kong dollars converts to 128,000 U.S. dollars. Mm. Made that in a week, huh?
1: Yeah. Uh, Still, you know, himself, you know, obviously the service had to get a percentage, Oh, sure. uh, but uh, wow! Uh, so that's our joke at the top of the of the show that uh, we should start a hotline and talk about our podcasting. <laughs> you know, king 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 kaching. <laughs> uh, so so th- that's the story, and uh, that we are going to move on talking about James Pax, who stars as Billy Chan, but that is the Patrick character. James got worldwide exposure in 1986. Is it when he? Appeared as lightning in John Carpenter's *Big Trouble in Little China*. One of the three, three uh, uh, characters: uh, Carter Wong and, uh, and uh, whoever the third was. I don't know, but uh, those uh, like su- supernatural warriors—the uh, the,
0: the raiden looking dudes. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, uh, *Big Trouble in Little China*.
1: I don't think you see James Pax very, very clearly throughout the movie. I mean, you, you see more of Carter Wong. You know, he he he, he doesn't have a hat on all all the time, but
0: like is he I don't know I can't explain it but I wonder if he's the dude with like the crazy eyes there's that one guy that you get that really awesome shot of doing some magic lightning shit with his hands where he's like got these uh, crazy big eyes like when he's in the little alley showdown between well
1: well, well, well when you're saying that I'm thinking of James Hong as well because uh, his, light, his eyes light up uh, in, in, in one shot uh, because uh, James Hong is a uh, low in Big Trouble in Little oh, China. Yeah. No, so. no, no, not him. Yeah, right. I, I
0: know who uh, James Hong. That's is. an
1: excuse for me to rewatch Big Trouble tonight. Hell yeah. I fucking <laughs> love that movie. Love it. <laughs>
0: okay, that, that movie. Okay, I shouldn't probably go off on a tangent. Ah, yeah, fuck, okay. fuck
1: that. Fuck <laughs> that. I, I, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you a brief story. It was the first. I remember it so firmly. It was the first movie. Me and my whole family watched, when we got our first satellite dish, awesome. and w- watched the first movie on like a movie channel, we watched Big Trouble in Little, in Little China. Crop to fucking shit, because Carpenter's movies look horrible in 133, but you know what? I love the shit out of that movie, and it's only gotten better over the years, so. It's so
0: funny, man. <laughs> the movie is like, hilarious. Like I watched it with my cousin. <laughs> Uh, probably about a year ago or something like that uh, we watched it on Netflix I was like you ever seen Big Trouble in China he's like no nah. I was like let's
1: watch it." show oh, fuck you we're watching <laughs> it now <laughs>
0: Man, Kurt Russell is the bomb
1: I feel kind of invincible <laughs> <laughs> he's the stupidest hero in the entire movie
0: <laughs> he is like a moron but yeah. fantastic
1: it's got a firm connection to Hong Kong cinema car, but it was really influ- influenced by, you know, Sue Warriors from the Magic Mountain and stuff like that, and shit. Mm-hmm. Car got cast. And and, and, and James Pax, it, it, it was not a Hong Kong actor such, so he didn't source him from over there. And we're going to talk of his history. Uh, th- this guy, uh, this is um, an ambitious guy, and you got to respect that uh, as I'll talk of his career a little bit. Born in Japan and educated uh, at New York University with a degree in business. He is... Uh, he was a talent as a singer and uh, as a teen, that took him to South America, being the first Asian singer to make it there. And he pursued other interests, such as ballet and um, and Kung Fu and he grew foundation as an actor. He went on to work as an actor slash model in his early 20s. I mean, he's a good looking guy, that uh, yeah. makes absolutely sense. And he even had time at some point in his life to briefly work as a stock analyst. What a fucking slack. <laughs> 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 but the uh, acting called and uh, the move to Hollywood happened and he landed a part in Big Trouble in Little China as Lightning working alongside Kurt Russell James Hong and Carter Wong uh, various TV movies and series followed but Pax relocated to Hong Kong and logged most of his credits in the early to mid 90s uh, if the bio is correct this that, that that's still only semi-true because it seemed to me that he divided his time between film work and studies in film and production management at uh, usc the university of um california so, uh, i think so but regardless uh, south
0: I, carolina
1: <laughs> yeah maybe maybe uh, as for the hong kong credits you can see pax in the heroic trio i think he plays the husband of anita moy's character who's like a, a scientist. Uh, He's in Love Among the Triad, which was a sync Sound uh, Triad movie. So you can hear his actual voice there. And presumably he he spoke Cantonese in that movie. I think he does fluently. He's in Remains of a Woman, obviously. And Otto Chan's excellent San Francisco set, Gates of Hell, from 1995. It's actually a very good category-free movie. Logging his last Hong Kong work in 1995, James has lived in Beijing since 2001 and has established his own advertising and production company in China. He got mainland exposure and popularity via the TV series I Wanted to Really Fall in Love, which I think is a rough translation into English. Uh, described as kind of a Chinese sex in the city, and uh, it was quite talked about because of the controversial content of women chasing after men and the discussion of female needs. And th- th- Those are topics that are not easy to get through uh, in the mainland, and certainly far from the government propaganda other series usually dwelled on. Uh, he starred as the first Emperor Qin Shi Huang in a documentary about his life and received overseas praise for his uh, portrayal and also starred and produced the drama series Shanghai Solution which has been compared to Schindler's List and uh, that was a high rated TV drama and has even published the book A Bowl of Fish about the young actress quick rise to fame and quick descent after fame peaked. And it's said he was doing pre-production to make a movie based on his book uh, with him as a director, but no word on whether uh, or not that is in process still or not. It was not on his IMDb page as uh, completed anyway. So a good man with a head on his uh, shoulders and a uh, good attitude and um, seemed to not want to rely on acting only and kind of pursue other interests. So good on him. Good on him. What a slacker.
0: What a <laughs> slacker. Jeez. <laughs> Could you do something with your life?
1: God, <laughs> You appear in one John Carpenter movie, we expect more of you. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Moving on to his leading lady in Remains of a Woman, Carrie, mm, an actress associated with Category 3, but she never did any nudity in these movies. Uh, Boo. Uh, well, she didn't need to. I, I love Carrie for what she did. Uh, ironically, because she is a gorgeous woman. At one point, a television makeup artist told her she'd never be able to look attractive, no matter how much work they put into her. Yeah, I was yes, yeah. Ouch! But uh, you know, it was the star now, bitch. It was got oh, the, yeah. who, who, you know, it was got the awards now. Yeah. Uh, it's very ironic because she became a sex symbol and symbol of glamour, working in the busy 80s and 90s Hong Kong cinema, as well as appearing in a TV series, uh, about 20 or more TV series over the years. She is a winner of multiple acting awards in Hong Kong and Taiwan. Uh, she was born in 1963. And uh, as these things go with many actresses at the time, she submitted an application to the TVB um, a television station, Hong Kong's largest um, network slash studio, at least at the time. And uh, he she um, submitted an application to their training program, and she was accepted as one of the thirty that got in. And she abandoned school in the process. Uh, therefore, something that sat less well with her father, but her mother was open to her daughter's dream, but with the option in you know as uh, on the back burner as priority to to possibly resume school the following year. But um, she gradu- graduated from TVB and was put into rotation as part of the TVB roster and it was not a well-paid job uh, because it only meant minimal exposure, but she put her time in She gradually got more and more speaking parts and eventually got into film and her third credit uh, Was quite notable. She played Chiang Fat's girlfriend in Ringo Lam's Seminole City on Fire Which got her a Best Supporting Actress um, nomination at the Hong Kong Film Awards and uh, the 24 year old actress at the time left TV to fully pursue film
0: and i uh, recently she, uh, heard a podcast where some guys talked about that city on fire movie
1: yes indeed you can Kenny can B and company that awful character can B. be I mean, <laughs> uh, yes all well, about Slazy k yes sir uh, she appeared in. we are so funny about uh, different characters on the network <laughs> comedic geniuses uh the year after City on Fire, she appeared in Kirk Wong's Gunman, and uh, she she worked steadily. And um, one of her other notable roles was the 1990s prison drama The First Time Is the Last Time, which got her her next nomination in Hong Kong as uh, Best Supporting Actress, I believe. Uh, she really refused to be typecast. You know, the filmography is quite diverse, with both glamorous roles, sexy roles, comedic roles, and even plain roles. You know, without all that, uh, without all that makeup. Uh, uh, Eventually, she she, she was uh, quite a firm but clothed presence in the booming category free trend. Uh, she had a small role in Sex and Sen as the mama-son of the brothel that Amy Yip rolls in later in the film. But Naked Killer is where it's at, you know, in terms of Carrie's global exposure. Uh, because she, she played the rival assassin of uh, Ching Miao's character who cuts off men's penises. <laughs> Knowing Basic Instinct was successful at the time and obviously the producers did as well. She didn't hesitate and she was even quoted saying that she liked the primitive aggression of Sharon Stone's character. But Wong Jin didn't write a copy of the Sharon Stone character to be put into Naked Killer. So uh, it's uh, it, it was uh, merely a, an inspiration uh, and a trend at the time obviously in 1992-93. Uh, she won her first Best Supporting Actors Award in Taiwan for Remains of a Woman that we're talking about uh, tonight. And it was always inspiring to see these adult films that weren't necessarily about the porn uh, all the time. You know, they, they were dark, violent, and sometimes erotic films. And it was always inspiring to see these get lifted into the spotlight, like The Untold Story, mm-hmm. getting uh, with Anthony Wong getting a Best uh, Actor award. And, uh, it, and to see them get respected, and uh, not, not so much in Hong Kong, I don't think she was nominated, but uh, t- Taiwan did. And um, it made sense because The Remains of a Woman played better there. It was more successful over there. And as much of a surprise it was to insiders in the industry that uh, this award was given, it was to Carrie as well, who apparently broke down in tears at the award ceremony. And and, um, in a very sweet moment after, she said to reporters, it represents 12 years of my undying effort. It's like, that is so sweet. You know, what a success story. And and, uh, earned too. I mean, it was not a random award they gave out for some uh, crappy comedy she was in or anything. (laughs) You know, because, uh, you know, if we want to connect it to someone like Scorsese, The Departed, you know, great that they gave him the reward, award, but uh, probably deserved it for some other movie, you know. Good t- Yeah, Casino. exactly. Yeah. So it's one of those like uh, pity awards, kind of. I mean, uh, Right. But, uh, uh, but uh, regardless, but she... Uh,
0: dang it, I'll go to my grave saying that The Departed is awesome. But yes,
1: continue. Yeah, I, yes, yeah, it's a solid movie and all that blah blah, blah. Uh, you know, you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> you I won <laughs> based on that that very thought out <laughs> argument. Of very thought out. Yes. Sir. Uh Carrie was a continually working actress of the nineties, appearing in every conceivable Cheapy and award-winning, uh, award-winning movies. Like she was in Hero Dream, that very crap, tight-set uh, action with Chin Su Ho and his brother Chin Kalok, which featured, you know, Thai ladyboys. Uh, that movie, yes sir. Uh, all on screen, you know, full, full Thai ladyboys and nudity. With, oh, with.
0: full frontal. Yes. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> she, she's
1: it. she's uh, she. I think she plays like a girlfriend of one of those characters that's in Hong Kong the entire movie. So mm-hmm. did it before uh, the Hangover
0: too? Nice.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, good call. We're going to cover that based on that angle. <laughs> <laughs> but she also appeared in uh, Derek Yee's uh, multiple award-winning *Salvage Mon in 1994, and uh, and you kind of had to do go where the work was in Hong Kong cinema, you know, because uh, in the 80s and 90s specifically, but by the time in 94 95 it all had reached a peak and was declining and that was especially true at the end of the 90s but carrie continued working and and uh, she won an award again in hong kong for her performance in jacob chung's the kid from 1999 where she got her first hong kong film award for best supporting Actress. again remains of a woman was a taiwan golden horse award uh, that role had, you know, no makeup or glamour in there. No, nowhere to be found. That's a kind of a trademark image of her. She donned the plain woman. that uh, she she looked incredibly well in terms of her acting against uh, Dick Long's character. Her chemistry with Dick Long. Uh, he plays a police officer that's in love with her. She's in love with him, and they they kind of never say it to each other. Uh, that that that's a, like a supporting uh, story uh, alongside the Leslie Chung story about him him and his kid. Uh, she, superbly strong, really lovely the kid. Uh, She's slowed down considerably in terms of film work, but has appearances uh, during the last few years in High Fidelity, which is not not high H uh, I G H fide- fidelity. It's Hello Fidelity, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, 2012's The Silent War by Alan Mack and Felix Chong, uh, the writers of uh, the Infernal Affairs trilogy. Uh, and uh, Alan Mack was uh, one of the directors of the Infernal Affairs trilogy. Now they direct on their own. So, uh, uh, and, and, and I've seen kind of recent footage of her at events and stuff. She looks the same. She looks the same. And uh, so um, good to see her still working and all of that. So that's carrying for you. And, and I suppose you... If you remember her from anything, it's probably Naked Killer, I suppose. Yes, yes, yes. I'm I. I remember. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I that movie. She she cut out penises and smashed guys' head head scene with handlebars. There
0: was a man who ate a penis.
1: <laughs> uh, anyway, we are now at the remains of a woman review, mm. and uh, it's not redundant to do a review because uh, here's a movie that. Uh, Can, uh, does kind of its, not fairly its own thing, but it's not exactly like the recap that we did prior in the show. So, uh, Joshua, in short, what did you think of Remains of War? Um,
0: it was like watching my life on screen, man. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, great film, I thought, you know, uh, of the two movies, you know, I'm just gonna throw this right out front and say that this was. You know, my favorite of the two, and uh, it's very stylish, features great performances, and while they did change the names of the characters and such, as opposed to Legal Innocence, I felt that this one probably, I don't know, in a story that's like, uh, you know, covered in mystery and shadows, I would say that this film probably, to me, hits closer to the reality of the situation.
1: Mm. Yeah, you know. yeah, it's actually interesting. I look at both the movies and I think both bring valid points to the table in terms of what happened. So, uh, uh, But I like this a lot. Uh, uh, not a lot better, but a bit better. Uh, it follows the basic beats of the true life crime well uh, and makes up some of its own possibly uh, in terms of the major twist that takes place at the end that we won't spoil Um, and Clarence Falk again the director of Naked Killer uh, and a really stylish director he makes us follow this talking narrative um, because uh, he believes in that talking narrative and uh, we are on board with that as well and it's worth to get through that if you will to get to his stylish sequences of depravity uh, coke fueled insanity and uh, and gore Uh, so very much approve that Clarence's eye for vision and elegance that's kind of what I connect to 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 Clarence at his best sometimes he makes just crazy movies that look great but you have no idea what's going on. The Black Panther Warriors is a good example. Such a well costumed film, a stylish film it's impossible to know what's going on Uh, maybe mostly due to the fact that that has one of the worst translations ever in a Hong Kong movie Wow, All all throughout it's like Huh? (laughs) Huh? You know, you can't even ma- put it together, but it makes whooshy noises and sounds, and that's kind of uh, kind of enough. And carries in that as well. And uh, uh, but but I like that. here's uh, kind of a dirty, and grimy, category-free movie. Partly, you know, and uh, uh, glimpses. Uh, we see glimpses of that in the credits, and I I, I started the credits because I, I think this is a good way to show what's coming. Uh, one thing, fi- one bad way to show what's coming is what they did in a movie called what price survival which is uh, was said to be kind of a one on swordsman remake in 1994 it actually is not it's uh, quite far from it but what they did there instead of a, just a plain red on black or white on black credit sequence they actually just put a trailer in front of the movie <laughs> with spoilers <laughs> you know so uh, what price survival is uh, so lace lazy in terms of credit sequences this is not lazy and it connects to Naked Killer as well because if you if you remember, that has stylish shots of, uh, you know, of Ching Miao and The Assassins together. That is, it's not part of the movie. It's just a stylish setup. Uh, you know, and uh, so Clarence Falk, definitely for two movies anyway, thought of ways to enhance opening credits in a kind of high-producing Hong Kong cinema. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like these glimpses of like, uh, huh, huh, whoa, is that Carrie? She looks evil you know laughing with blood on her like uh, on the side of my mouth like <laughs> you know whoa this is this is uh possibly going some some some, some good places and, and then you got then you get cinemax uh, softcore porn kind of after that oh yeah <laughs> do you like those contrast uh, the movie offers up that you you know it's a dark story but early when things are going good in this case between uh, Billy and uh, the the Brenda character mm-hmm. you know, when they have that uh, very you know it is Cinemax, it is Playboy Channel type of uh, sexist. It's you know. that
0: uh, that soft those soft shots and uh, you know well in this case of course blue lighting and you know eroticism. But uh yeah no I do, I do enjoy the first half of this movie and you know in particular I enjoy the. Uh, Billy Chan character or what have you. I, I enjoy his playboy ways much more mm. than I think in Legal Innocence and stuff like that. I think he's, you know, John, our friend John, Coffin John from Feast Woman Podcast, he would call his uh, attitude kind of dude bro, which mm. is a uh, very okay. very frat boy you know, type of mentality, and mm. uh, I kind of like that. I don't know, even though I dislike people like that but I think that uh, I like the way that James Pax kind of brings that to the screen
1: where well, it's not inspiring what he does like mm. uh, like sending off a woman to do some, uh, some job for him at a bank and then hitting on another on the street Like it's not like yay I'm 30 in the case of me I'm 33 years old <laughs> that lifestyle is for me you
0: know, he's kind of um, charismatic and I think this movie kind of shows why these women are kind of drawn to him like the the one like when I think about this role, I think that there's this one thing early in the film. I think it's when he first meets uh, Brenda, like on the mm. street or what have you.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the scenario I just said that uh, that's the girl he hits on while he sends off uh, Karim's character to the bank. Right. And then he drives away but, and leaves her. There.
0: Oh yeah, god. But like, I just like when I think about it, I think of him going like, "Come on, <laughs> I'll give yeah. me a break," or <laughs> whatever.
1: It's very well cast because again James is mm-hmm. from America, you know, and it's uh, the casting was better in that regard if you compare to Francis's character and the portrayal here. But he yeah. it's so very it's they, they echo that like he's from America. He's kind of alluring, like yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he, and he, he doesn't look. I think he's half American, half Chinese possibly because he, he looks a uh, he looks a bit mixed in that regard. So mm-hmm. so, uh, good look, good looking guy, you know. I can say that though, and I, I think it's so, so well cast uh, actually he's very uh, smarmy very like exactly yeah you know you dis you you, you dislike him as you should uh, right. which is a sign of a good uh, good good performance and and good casting mm-hmm. uh, Clarence is also got a flashback to our story, you know, because we found uh, that that was kind of the uh, trajectory these movies went, you know, that that they provided a big old flashback. But uh, it's not painfully obvious, this inclusion, that, oh, here we go, another flashback to, like, he confesses, then there's the flashback, and uh, the movie's over. It's not as obvious and lazy in design, uh, albeit that... The standardized template could work in category three movies as well. Look at the untold story. There's nothing disruptive right. about the way Herman Yao uses a uh, flashback in that movie. So, it's know,
0: fine. I was gonna mention that this both of these films kind of do take that uh, untold story type of approach, where like you know everything's building to a flashback. You know what I'm saying? Both yeah. films, you're gonna inevitably get conclusions that tell the you know dark story of what happened that night and you know that's not mm. really a spoiler because it's very conventional but uh you know i just think it's very interesting that uh, both films you know made pretty much back to back same story and they both kind of use a very similar template
1: mm. do do you think they covered the crime well in there uh you don't need to bring in as much legal innocence now but do you think remains of a woman covered the crime well
0: i do I do think mm-hmm. that uh you know it's another take on it, you know there's really n- only there's only three people that knew anything about what happened that night, and one of them's dead
2: mm-hmm.
0: so they you know they you know that's the way both these films kind of approach the subject matter, and you know they just both offer their own little take on what happened
1: yeah and 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 the, the details that they definitely know. It's good that they kind of echo them, like the fact that uh, Kitty worked at the Jockey Club, they came, <laughs> met there, and uh, and uh, like that, yeah. I, 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 I like to drop in those uh, those things. So they, they don't spend time on his uh, with uh, the uh, James Peck's character in New Jersey or anything, but uh, they, they they pick yeah. their basic uh, facts in order for a ninety-minute movie to you know move forward and all of that. You can't you, you know you, you can't provide as much details as in the book, which is normally what happens when books are transformed onto screen, obviously. Yeah,
0: I would have liked to, you know, like, the way the sequence of events was like, I watched Remains of a Woman, I read the story, then I watched Legal Innocence, you know, Mm. and I think that, you know, while Remains of a Woman does give you more of that information, showing, you know, well, not really, they both kind of cover the same stuff, but I would have liked more of, like, uh, Background, I think, on some of the characters and stuff like that. Mm. You know, I think that uh, this movie does show, like, that uh, Brenda works, you know, Mm. for the airline Uh and everything like that, and that sort of stuff's kind of covered. But uh, there's a lot of little things about these characters that we really don't know, and they don't Mm. go out of their way to explain it. I guess for Hong Kong audiences, they hear James Pax and know, okay, well, he's, you know, got a foreign accent or what have you, yada, yada, yada. But for You know, other viewers outside of uh, Hong Kong, they might not realize that at first, and what have you.
1: Yeah, that's why actually uh, getting to read this chapter actually helps uh, Mm -hmm. a bit uh, to to fill in the blanks. So I I recommend getting the book uh, based on that Hong Kong murders. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, we'll talk. uh, We'll talk a little bit about about Carrie Umar. I I I love the dynamic between her and James Pax as. uh, and 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 it kind of is believable, I think, especially knowing again the chapter that we read, that she is not able to resist uh, him. You know, she mm-hmm. she follows his commands, and because she's uh she's been abandoned, and uh, she's uh, she's weak emotionally and desperate, kind of to feel like she's belonging. I'm not putting down women in general. I'm just saying that's kind of what happens to men and women. That uh, the they they can be exploited in that regard when they're at their lowest, mm-hmm. and 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 I think that happens in both movies, especially in in *Legal Innocence* and *Innocence* in terms of the Christian girl uh-huh. and what Patrick uh, does to her. Uh, but uh, she carries so good as that woman, you know, j- just goes down on her knees not to perform oral sex or anything. Well, 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 she does, but she she does that as well, like begs him to like, please, I want to stay with you for the rest of my life. You know, it's yeah. that kind of. Uh, heart heartache desperate heartache that uh and desperate belonging that he can exploit and and does definitely again by having her run a bank errand hit on brand on the street and then take off like a douche <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude.
0: very dude bro very dude yes. bro
1: so um but do you like that? Do you think you, you think that's effective? Because it could have been more melodramatic. But I think Carrie keeps uh, keeps it even uh, even leveled.
0: Of the will. characters in this story, you know, obviously, I think that Kitty has the most, uh, you know, is the most potent from a dramatic standpoint. I think that the film makes the, uh, a wise decision to kind of follow her, even though it's you know about everything surrounding the case. I think you know she kind of does get the limelight, mm-hmm. and uh I think that's a wise choice because, you know, you've got, you know, Billy Chan or what have you. You know, Patrick Wong. He's not really a very sympathetic character. He's this guy that says one thing and then in the retrial comes back says something else. You know, you you know he's not being completely honest, so you can't follow him. Then there's the Christian girl who you know is so naive, you know, and just believes everything that this prisoner says. And she's not that interesting where you got Kitty who goes, you know, back to this retrial and basically, you know, you know, she still had to have had feelings for, um, you know, Patrick Wong because the guy goes out there basically and just takes a big hefty dump all over her in the courtroom Mm -hmm. and just, you know, lays blame. She's an evil psychopath, whatever, and like just nails her to the cross And she just takes it, you know? And even though she she could have probably blamed everything on him the second go-around and just, you know, what have you, but she took the beating and everything like that. So there's there's something more to her, you know, as a person. And uh, there's, you know, an easy way to get sympathy from that. And uh, I think that, yeah, I think she brings a lot to the role and whenever i
1: mean the, the way she looks worn and even oh, uh, without makeup in the courtroom like <clears throat> and and laugh and essentially smiling while looking so worn looking like she's been crying for five days essentially right. <laughs> you know uh, but still have to almost have that sinister smile on her you know <clears throat> that's so captivating and you don't know what, what that is if it's insanity or mm-hmm. or some kind of you know some kind of odd happiness, Yeah, yeah happiness. like,
0: at the end of the trial or what have you, when she's, like, kind of, like, laughing or whatever, you're, like, thinking, mm. you know, I was thinking, like, man, I wonder what happens. Like, did she sit there and, like, basically give the little Christian girl the death sentence by letting her mm. go on with Patrick, you know? Yeah. That, that's kind of what was floating through my head before mm. reading the story and knew, knowing what happened and everything like that, which mm. in some cases, you know, you gotta say, well, 18 months later it was all over for them So, you know She would know something, you know Like, well, they're not, their relationship's not gonna last And she's gonna get to meet the real Patrick or whatever, you know
1: It, it, it might Go hand in hand That, that love wasn't That deep with the fact that I uh, also at the same time have kind of a criticism against the fact that Loletta leaves Annie, the Christian girl. It's, a, it's not a very fleshed out uh, role. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's a pretty quick and swift, the way she falls for mm-hmm. Patrick and the way she fights for his innocence. But uh, it, you can also argue, if you want to be a very forgiving viewer, and I am, uh, that uh, the, the love wasn't very deep as, uh, and she her beliefs are kind of at fault as well. She's, it's not it's not very tuned, those beliefs, you know. And uh, so, so it's kind of interesting, but also it's clear that the Loletta Lee story is not as interesting as the Kitty story, the Carrie mm-hmm. story. So um, she, you know, Loletta Lee is good in all, and uh, uh, as an actress, you know, but uh, not merely as interesting. Yeah, there's
0: you know? not much drama there. You know, she's just a poor girl kind of duped by a prisoner, you know, by a Mm. sociopath.
1: Mm. It's important to believe that Clarence Falk believes really in jumping back, believes in his technique here and about jumping back and forth in terms of uh, the past and where we're at in the present and setting it all up. And it's, it's also important to note that this is not one of those category three movies that, uh, that is doing it for cheap exploitation frills. It's more thorough it's more commercial, uh, not not super commercial. Otherwise, it would have had uh, you know fucking Simon Yam in here Randy Lau, what have you. But it, uh, it's important to note that this is not one of those movies where they they just pooped out or anything. Uh, at this time in 1993, so some thought went into it. Uh, so I don't think it's exploiting the crime as such which other movies can be argued to actually do even though those movies are always some, some of them, you know, run and kill for instance I don't think it's a very deep and uh, detailed look at uh, a horrible true crime or anything, it's a big old uh, horrific exploitation movie but boy is it fun <laughs> it's actually darkly darkly humorous and all that but uh, and and uh, it runs through the movie. I enjoyed James Pax's performance and the, and the character design so much because uh, uh, he, the way he sweets talk each and every one of the mm-hmm. movies and uh, and clear, like uh, he's saying to Kitty, like I'm only using Brenda to, uh, to or uh, what was the fuck him, uh, uh, in the movie? Um, uh, Lisa, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, the made-up uh, name I forget all the time. She she says to Kitty like, "I'm only using her for her co connections and I love you only yeah. here." And uh, it, it's it, it gets under your skin like, "God damn, what a stupid asshole!" Awesome movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I really like that. I think uh, Clarence Falk uh, as stylish as it is, he doesn't lose uh, sight of uh, kind of the character drama here and brings mm-hmm. up brings out the more style uh, as. As we get more of that evening uh, of the murder on screen, you know? Right. Uh, because it could have been in- indulgent, but uh, I think uh, it's a talky movie and uh, he adheres to that. I mean, uh, it's uh, a lot of lot of dialogue uh, between a pane of glass, obviously, with uh, uh, the prisoners in this case getting visitors uh, by uh, by uh, the Christian girl and Melvin Wong and what have you. So, mm-hmm. so it's uh, it, it's it, it takes a, a skill to to be a talking movie and uh, and, uh, and 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 do those things like just having people talk on screen without having a camera movement and style and pum 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 just talk
0: the movie's very much up front about uh Patrick's you know manipulative behavior you know whereas mm-hmm. legal innocence is kind of Which I hate to keep going back and forth. I'm not comparison, no no drawing these comparisons, but yeah, where you know, legal innocence is really more from the Christian girl's perspective, and uh, you know, Shirley, where you know, it's all about the way she sees things, which she sees, you know. Patrick is an angel, and basically,
1: Which is interesting, actually. I, 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 we'll, we'll come to that, but I think it's interesting in the case of Legal Innocence to, mm-hmm. to have it more from her perspective because uh, it, that, that's probably how she saw it. You know, Luletta L- Lee's character in this case, you know, it's clear that she believed strongly and uh, maybe rightly uh, that he's following a new path because why wouldn't you want someone you care for follow the same path as you the path of God uh, and the path of um, you know, wanting to be forgiven and all of that they don't they don't go to the extent of showing a scene where he's baptized or anything it's not uh, but he's he's converted but still us as a viewer can see that there's some still some douchey behavior here that's not sincere you know where, where is it in the courtroom or interrogation where he puts his hands together and like starts Praying, courtroom. Believe, yeah. yeah, it's like, dude, that, oh no, I love this movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, there's a movie that could be made, man, that just, just has the love story between, you know, the Shirley character and everything like that. Because, like I said, you know, I mean, what is, you know, what is the reality of the situation? What is honesty in the story? You know, what is real and what wasn't? You know, there's, all it is is just... Uh, back and forth, you know, blame and everything like that. I mean, it's impossible to imagine, you know, that character not realizing that there was a person dissolving in his bathtub but, you know, I mean, it's not so, com- it's not completely out of the realm of plausibility. You know what I'm saying?
1: And, and uh, Exactly, and therefore I think uh, the way Clarence Fox shows uh, the death happening right. is... Uh, could very well have happened. It's not covered in our recap, actually, and it might have been covered in the interrogations and the Hong Kong press at the time, but it's not the way it happened. It's not covered in the the recap, and I think it's uh, as valid as what happens in Legal Innocence. Uh,
0: Right. There's like a one in a thousand chance that I could imagine that character not realizing that that tub was in there, but he was coked Mm. out and everything like that. I mean, there's, you know... There's no telling what the reality is All we can do is kind of take Guesses and that's Mm. That's what these movies are
1: about Exactly Uh, You gotta talk about the ending sequence uh, quite a bit Because uh, if if anything It's uh, It is uh, Contrasting mix of sexual games, you know. Uh, James Pax puts a uh, blindfold on Carrie, and there's biting, and uh, and there's uh, flickering, you know, lights, and there's a thunderstorm out there. And the way you talk about it, when you line up all those elements, it should be way over the top. But <laughs> Clarence Fox makes it work well for work well for Atmos here, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion.
0: Oh yeah, the for me the conclusion, you know, that the massive flashback at the end. It makes the movie. I think, you know. I think that uh, it's incredibly intense and uh, works very well.
1: It's so, so raw. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there is some. There, there is depravity here. Low depravity and eroticism all mixed up in this weird coke-fueled insanity. You know, and and, and Carrie Um I think, earns the award in this entire scene. Right. You know, you know the look when Jacqueline Law storms in. Uh, you know, Carrie Um has this look of pleasure that you know she owns. Him, yeah. not own in a sense, but you know he prefers me. Yeah, you know, and uh, then you know just continues to rub it in, rub it in, and uh, and how it all comes to a confrontation is uh, is, is quite interesting, and uh, that's what I mean by the fact that uh, it might have happened this way. The actual murder, legal innocence provides an entirely different yeah. um, set of literal events. I mean, the fact that the body was uh, dissolved and. Uh, that they all were aware of it i think yeah I, I, they, they were of course as you said and um yeah, the movie doesn't shy away from that fact but the actual death i think it's interesting that the, the filmmakers provide their own take on that and i think um it all makes sense and and remains a woman the big absolutely makes sense you know because the more the more coke they take it seems like the more stylish it gets yeah and, and intense it gets, you know, it's an audiovisual assault, uh, kind of.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is, It's like you said, I mean, coke-fueled insanity, that's the only way you can kind of describe the final yeah. minutes of this film, where everything just goes in the manic mode, you know, mm-hmm. everything, it's a mile mm-hmm. a minute
1: and despite being a category 3 movie it's not at all overly graphic there's no nudity I think in this movie uh, wow. but the brief sawing sequence within <clears throat> that coke fueled environment is pretty brutal it is on screen but not at all that much I mean the the best shot in all of this is where in the foreground you see James Pax just staring at the TV just watching the TV <laughs> taking coke, stare. and uh, it's sawing the sewing in the background by Karim's character That much we can reveal that she in this movie Hacks up the body It's set to a beat of this crazy ass industrial music You know <laughs> Why? Well, I mean it's just a mad atmosphere And uh, uh, so um, Yeah it, it's, uh, it's Something
0: it, you don't often see in Hong Kong cinema That you know Drug induced type atmosphere You know mm-hmm. and I think the movie kind of Perfectly captures that The t- type of uh, mental state that these characters Are in you know just lots yeah. of loud noises, lots of just, you know, quick shots and everything like that. It's, it's moving at an incredible pace and, you know, crazy shit's going on and, you know, nobody's thinking logically. And that's where these characters were at. They went and told somebody that the reason the house stunk was because a goldfish died. You know, th- mm. these people weren't thinking, you know, at their very, you know, best.
1: And still probably high when the police arrived you know uh, uh, at that time you know uh, at the beginning of the movie, like uh, I
0: could imagine like in the story that we read, you know, first Kitty went downstairs, she tells this pastor that uh, yeah the the reason it snakes, my goldfish died, and she leaves, and you know that was bad enough, they're like thinking this chicks, you know these people are insane, you know obviously that's not you know, causing, you know, this massive smell. And then, you know, shortly thereafter, what, like an hour later, you know, you've got Patrick Wong coming downstairs to tell them that, yes, you know, the goldfish died, but also my rabbits died, or whatever. (laughs) You know, you can imagine that that moment in time, that hour beforehand, upstairs, Patrick Wong's probably, like, yelling at Kitty, like, what the fuck, you went and told them the goldfish died? Dude, we gotta go, oh my God, they're gonna bust us, they're gonna bust us. You know, I can imagine how they and were taking
1: out a hit of coke and yeah. makes that. You know, and then they are going to go talk. down there and tell them it's rabbits too. That's gonna
0: that's gonna do the job. They're gonna fucking believe that shit. You know? <laughs> like yeah. that that's what's going on in their heads, you know, the type of logic that's you know, going through their mind, like, this is gonna work, this is gonna work, you know. But yeah. uh obviously
1: yeah it's um it's interesting that they drops drop some details and, and it doesn't matter actually that they do why about why there was acid in the house and all of that so they they, they don't show a scene or mention the fact that they, this was bought at a hardware store and all of that and 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 that the box is there you know the trunk is there the tank is there so and and uh, you know you just go with it uh, if you don't read the story beforehand then you don't know about it we did uh or you did after mm-hmm. uh but it doesn't really matter Exactly every detail to to form an entire movie, in my opinion.
0: Or that Kitty went out and was spending all that money using, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Brenda's card or what have you.
1: Exactly. Um. So I. I. It is actually at the end of my notes. It's a. It's a regarded category for movie, albeit not very super known, a la the Anton story, due to unavailability. I, I would say, but uh, it's a, It. It earns its award and acclaim, and I still. I still, like it. it's it's very effective, and uh, it's. Uh, it's interesting to have uh, more of the background uh, going into the movie, and uh, it shows that uh, uh, there was focus here, not one of those shot in a week uh, movie. Movies to Get out during the boom mm. of Category 3. They did get it out during the boom of Category 3, but uh, they took care, definitely. Right. And, and I will say, alongside Naked Killer, I think this is Clarence Fox's uh, best movie uh, because he, he was uh, a hit and miss director, admittedly, but uh, Naked Killer and this uh, hit home, definitely.
0: Yeah, I do think it's a really solid film and uh, one of the better true crime flicks I think uh, you could pick up.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, as for availability here, again, the problem with these movies—they're they're not obscure; they are known, but still, their their fate on home video is not uh, is not very positive. Uh, May I had Hong Kong rights uh, or have it even? There might be a remastered print that's not made it to DVD. You never know. Uh, but they put it out on video and laser disc, but uh, again, no DVD has followed uh, to this day. And uh, best bet is used copies of the laser disc. I've seen them several times on eBay for varied varied prices. Again, remember. Uh, laser discs were expensive in the day, so even if they're, uh, you know, four hundred Hong Kong dollars, that is still half of what they cost back in the day. So, mm. uh, so if you really, really want the movie, there's a good-looking laser disc out there. Uh, otherwise, there there might be uh, some some stuff on uh, on on the torrent forums or what have you. So, if worst comes to worst, look there. And uh, they, they, this is the fate of even award-winning Hong Kong films, uh, people. Mm. So, uh, but it deserves it, it deserves better than, better than that Then, maya you know they did re-release some, some some stuff on dVD, some stuff that was only on V c d and what have you and not an upgrade from a prior DVD. so maybe they'd struck a print for Remains of a Woman and just stopped releasing their their stuff. Yeah. uh you never know it might be there, so if you're a company who wants to release it, check in with Maya. they might have it, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, we're taking a break. Again, and uh, after the break, we are discussing legal innocence, the the other side of uh, the story as uh, interpreted by other filmmakers. So we'll give a take on that after the break. Welcome back and we are going to discuss Legal Innocence from 1993, uh, the movie that was released first out of these uh, two movies in Hong Kong. So uh, there you go. A plot from my review of the film in director Cha Chun-Yi's version of the events. And again, Cha Chun-Yi is the director of The Rapist that we've covered on this show, Secret Lover that we also covered on this show, and also most famously Once Upon a Time in Triad Society 1 and 2. In this version, we see Cecilia Yip at Shirley, a Christian who finds sympathy and possibility, possibly redemption, in sentenced murderer Patrick, played by Francis. His stories convinces her that he's given... Uh, that he's even innocent of the murder of girlfriend Brenda, played by actress Ho-Yan. And instead it's the jealous party in the the form of Kitty, played by Ivy Leung that orchestrated what led to the finding of a corpse corroding in acid. I know it's the same story but I'll reread it. (laughs) I want to (laughs) reread it anyway. Uh, A courtroom drama plays out and tests the newly found love between Shirley and Patrick. But characters behind the scenes, most notably a cop played by Anthony Wong, are convinced of other truths. So it's a little bit different. to bring some other perspectives and other characters into the fray. Uh, a little bit of the two actors, Francis M and Cecilia Jepson. Some repetition of what Francis' uh, career has been like, but it's worth uh, repeating because uh, it's it's a uh, you know character actor legend in my opinion, Francis M. Mm. Mm. Who has that giant fat Simon Yam attitude about working? Even today, uh, he's uh, he works mainly uh, in China now, going where the work is. And uh, yeah. but his career tracks back to the mid '80s, where upon graduating from TVB's training class, that he failed three times before graduating, which is always fun when you think about award-winning actors that they kind of did <laughs> <laughs> they fail before uh, multiple times before getting into the industry. But um, as with Carryum, he started working in TV to gradually advance uh, in status and skill. And uh, movie roles started to happen at the end of uh, the 80s, notably in Proud and Confidence, which is this uh, SWAT training movie, if you will, that shares similarities with uh, Top Gun, actually. So it's kind of Hong Kong's Top Gun. Very fun movie. Great action. Uh, he's in Final Run. He's in Flirting Scholar or Fleur Tong Scholar, which is uh, uh Stephen Chow comedy. Very um, very broad, like uh, heavy on the wordplay, Stephen Chow comedy, where it's hilarious. floating scholar, love it. And an early notable role uh, from Francis is uh, as one of the halves uh, of the Siamese twins in uh, Ronnie Hughes, The Bride with White Hair. And he's attached to Elaine Loy in that movie. So that, that's, a g- that's a good gig, if you can get it. Uh, Elaine Loi was in Martial Law, I believe, to some extent. Uh, he really started to gain serious recognition by the latter half of the 90s as he sunk his teeth into character roles such as Ugly Kwan from Young and Dangerous. He reprised it in the spin-off satire directed by Cha Chunyi, Once Upon a Time in Tri-Society. He went head-to-head with Lao Ching Wan in Ringo Lam's Full Alert and started to bring more and more nuances to his acting and doing justice to characters. Really, Nuances and subtlety was really uh Key uh, key tools here at the end of the ni- end of the nineties, and he was uh, uh, Ip Man director Wilson Yip's boy for a while, uh, logging fantastic work in Bullets Over Summer and Juliet in Love, uh, nineteen eighty eight and ninety nine uh, respectively. He, even in big movies, he appeared M- a man called Hero. He was in Gen X Cops. Most. Uh, maybe fifty percent performing his dialogue in English and some wonderful, uh, wonderfully profane dialogue. And Francis English, to be fair, not very good. So it's uh, so so it's this crazy ass like um, before he dies in that movie, he plays a, a, a tribe boss of some kind. He talks, you know, he has nothing left to lose, so he like insults whoever is uh, about to kill him, but meeting. That character's mother in hell to fuck her in the ass, yeah. and and that's the that dialogue. That was Gen X cops. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I need to rewatch that. <laughs> so, and it's wonderful because uh, I, I can't do verbatim that bit, but I remember his last dialogue after saying what I just said is, "I can't wait." <laughs> <laughs> He's great, and, and it's not embarrassing at all. It's just wonderful that that the dialogue is so profane and so nasty, you know. So uh, yeah, watch Gen X Cops again. I like that movie; it's fun.
2: Yeah, so I did.
1: I Uh, he snagged the hong kong film award for best supporting actor in gordon chan's D. really really good uh, performance and debuted as director with the cop drama 9413. he's made two movies three movies subsequently i think Uh, what is a good teacher and then co-directing dancing lion and uh, uh, tracing shadow with uh, marco mac Uh, He got to be part of the big Infernal Affairs juggernaut uh, as well, uh, 10 years ago or so now, with a nominated role in the prequel, and uh, really the most memorable part of the uh, prequel, in my opinion. And continues to work extensively, mostly in the mainland, so a working actor still. And my memory is always uh, something I want to repeat, because I got into Hong Kong cinema again via Francis, because I, I... it's also discovering actors i really love discovering actors actors you know when i discovered chai fat all i wanted to see was chine fat movies when i discovered francis zoom all i wanted to see was his movies and bullets over summer really started started um started that and really started my writing seriously again with uh, creating so good reviews and it was really via bullets over summer and stuff like that so um you know I, I i i love that memory and uh it's wonderful to discover an actor that you can't take your eyes off that you uh get despite him using subtle beats and uh you know just impressive versatility i mean uh playing evil stupid romantic funny you know he can do it all and uh um so i really dig him and uh i still do so Could big fan and we've encountered him uh, where here on this show we did uh, rape by an angel 2 the uniform fan uh, where he played um, this ex con uh, triad called Bulky, who had a sidekick called Shitty. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it was good fun. Uh, he had his teeth drilled out at the end of the movie as well, so it was kind of brutal. Oh, was, yeah, was, yes. um, That was Francis, moving over to Cecilia Yip, uh, one of those I call very brave, game-and-ageless actresses. Um, there's a class surrounding these gorgeous uh, actors, but that clause doesn't mean she was above taking roles in category three movies. Obviously, she's in this one, but she didn't do nudity or anything, or even softcore scenes, clothed softcore scenes. Uh, and you gotta respect that—that that, uh, she uh, she goes where the work is and also work that she wants to do. So, uh, Bay Logan said about her that she has a luminous quality about her and an intelligence uh, present in her acting and choices. And um, I gotta agree, agree with that, knowing a fair fair bit about her filmography that i will touch upon a little now she was a part-time model she got noticed by a casting director and dropped out of school to be in movies Uh, she didn't go the route of tv i believe Uh, so but she only thought that was a summer type of deal like a summer job but she stayed on and uh, logged many highlights you know she appeared in the wonderful terry tong directed classic new wave thriller coolie killer from 1982 she was the lead in the war drama hong kong 1941 alongside chai fat she is in kirk wong's organized crime and trial bureau where she plays the devoted gun-toting girlfriend of anthony wong's villain uh, wonderful wonderful role and even in like beef fair like the joe Howe directed phantom of snake that took the old story that choi hawk's green snake covered that old uh, that really old like period story if you will but transferred it to modern day with uh, these two snakes in human form and the sight of Cecilia Yip in human form walking down the streets of Hong Kong in a kind of a slivering way is nothing short of genius it's like yeah <laughs> you know cl- classy move by by the actress not like a, a painful role to see her in you know um, a TV actress as well eventually not at the start of her career she has received accolades for her work on the heaven sword and dragon saber and men don't cry tv series as well as winning a best Actress award on the film this thing called love from 1991 where she co-starred against uh, tony long car fight that was uh, i remember seeing it there was a well performed and mature relationship drama from um, a director called lee chi nai who did a wonderful movie called lost and found with kelly chien michael wong and uh, Takeshi kanashiro and other awards, uh, including an early one in her career, Best Actress for her work in Alfred Chung's uh, Shaw Brothers comedy, Let's Make Laugh, in 1983. Yep.
2: Let's Make Laugh. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: I think they made a second one that was called Let's Make Laugh 2. <laughs> Let's Make More Laugh. No, 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 2. <laughs> Uh, and i believe i, I think she's I, I, she's probably excellent in the movie rather than them singling out something to give an award to you know uh, that one um she also uh, received a award for um a best supporting actors award for her performance in jacob chung's beyond the sunset in 1999 and some of her latest work in film includes reuniting with jacob chung in the 2008 movie tickets um that's cecilia that's francis let's let's talk the movie Brief opinion yes. first, us, Joshua.
0: Um, very different take on the story. Um, kind of a little bit, um, I don't know, in some ways, a little bit more of a conventional type of love story, and then in some ways uh, even more manipulative. Uh, I think it's an interesting take, while it didn't actually grab me quite as much as uh, Remains of a Woman did. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, still pretty solid.
1: mm mm-hmm. I, I I tend to agree. It's less of an assault on the senses, uh, but Yi uh-huh. Ch- is still, a, uh, to 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 an extent, a stylish director. For sure. So so and, and it's evident here. It's sufficiently stylish, well made, performed, and and involving. I think, especially with the backstory in the back of our heads, I think it uh, works more. This goes into more detail uh, in terms of the crime, but just like uh, you know, as we discussed, you know, there's no definite truth in either movies especially in terms of what happened during the night but but both give interesting different takes on a night in question i think right. uh it's not it's, it's nice to have a contrast in terms of portraying uh, this portraying patrick and yeah. uh, uh because it's, there's a definite contrast in the way francis uh, plays him here uh and i, I enjoyed a brief dip uh, dips into horror and graphic sites because uh, one that we might talk of a little bit and might not Oh, that was shocking! That was shocking as hell. Let's just say uh, the, the acid moment uh, towards yeah. the end of the film. Yeah. Uh, I, I can tease you, uh, viewers, uh, listeners. Sorry, uh, we don't have a camera on us. Few. Um, think of uh, when uh, the girl is discovered um, in uh, the uh, free surfing in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. You know when that uh, that uh, jarring sound happens when she just springs to life. Yeah. We got a, we got a bit of a moment uh, akin to that here, but um I, I you know most of the style is uh, well he sets up a lot of style cha here from the beginning because uh, a lot of it is shot in light blue and very decolorized and he seems to like the fact that uh, enjoy the fact that he's making a horror movie uh, actually because the opening is one of those classic go into the old haunted place openings you know because uh, a couple of kids lose their football and uh, the football uh, ends up in the house where this took place and the kid, Little kid discovers the horrific <laughs> remains, you know. So mm-hmm. so it's kind of that classic, you know, oh, you gotta go into the old haunted blah, blah, blah place. You know You know what happens in there. So um, it's not like that. It seems like he's enjoying himself, so, um, Cha Chun-yi, uh, implying lightning like, schemes and echoing horror. And, you know, truth be told, some horrific stuff happened in the house, but it's not like it's a haunted house or anything, yeah.
0: Quite the departure from the uh, actual story, you know.
1: Exactly, I don't think uh, that was. Um, it was just a, an effective way to set up a story. But uh, we we do we do see the cops uh, cops bursting in and discovering uh, discovering the remains, and we get a shot of uh, a quite uh, an elaborate shot of the various remains, uh, and it's uh, it's effective stuff. Uh, the sludge that. The recap uh, that we had in the recap—it's literally you no know, sludge. Sludge here with uh, parts and fingers, and eventually that skull in the sludge—a
0: yeah, skull with an eyeball trickling down its face. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, pretty <laughs> and, nasty.
1: And and isn't it wonderful that for once we don't get goofy cops making this discovery? They—they're they, just freak, freaked out. Well, yeah, I... they, they, because it's horrible. You know, you you certain cops can react. You know, neutral to this, but it's freaky stuff to discover so no wonder they when they see it they fall fall back you know like oh what the fuck's that
0: according to the you know real story or whatever the cops were gagging and everything like that because of the smell and because and then seeing the you know skull or what have you that were certain cops throwing up and everything so it kind of actually is fitting to reality when they're they're doing the same thing Mm. in the movie
1: basically and you see brief glimpses of Anthony Wong in this k- scene, and he won't appear. Won't appear till like the latter, uh, the other half of the movie. But uh, it, it kind of makes sense that uh, my, my brief note, uh, pardon me, that uh, because he is kind of the Carrie Pierce character, if you really want to stretch it, uh, and it makes sense that you cast Anthony because the, the closest you get to him being Australian <laughs> is that the fact that Anthony Wong is half British. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of, but but they don't make a giant fuss about that. Oh, you Australian! <laughs> yeah,
0: good night, Mike. But anyway, yeah. um, like I, the thing about like that opening shot or whatever with Anthony Wong there on the staircase and everything, it seems vi- like as if they added that after the fact. You know, mm. I don't know. It it seemed that way when I went when I was watching. I was like, are they on the same set? You know, because it's basically just like reaction shots from him from a distance or what have you. And then uh later in the film, you know, it does it takes for a while for him to kind of pop up and he just seems to be kind of floating in the movie, you know, he doesn't uh he pops up here and there, but uh, his character seems to be just uh like the wise old sage who, you know, finally at the end of the movie kind of gives a different recount of what's really going on or what have you. Yeah. His character seems Really out of loop of the film,
1: and uh... I still kind of like the way he became more and more a presence in the movie, and and I ultimately like that he recaps it at the very end of the film in a very because he's, he's he's overall very quirky, mm-hmm. uh, but you know that uh, that's kind of his thing too that he's um, he's doing it for just maybe to 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 throw those that he confronts uh, throw them off a little bit like this guy doesn't know what he's doing but he's more uh, in control than that so actually
0: I I like him in the role I think that uh, this is kind of a toned down Anthony Wong and he's kind of collected and cool whereas Mm -hmm. everybody else is far from that and uh, it kind of makes his character stand out even though he has uh, less screen time and is kind of a he's kind of an enigma in the film Mm yeah what the f what is this guy you know what does he know and eventually it turns out he knows everything
1: mm. Is the cop has been on the case for a long time so he is yeah. actually struggling to like put the pieces together as well and uh, uh and it's been on it for a number of years so uh, but he doesn't look worn as such he's just uh yeah all and uh and uh but he he's relaxed too he 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 eats in the courtroom you know <laughs> and uh, even has a pen yeah. you know uh, next to his ear while on the witness stand so it's like he's 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 relaxed you know he's, yeah. he's, he's playing the cool
0: i kind of like the way he like approaches shirley and stuff like that you know just kind of like oh
1: so uh yeah
0: just uh he was just at the house there uh picking some things up uh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's just kind cool. of yeah he's just like he, he he knows everything and yeah. uh it's, a, it's an interesting performance it's an interesting yeah. character
1: I know. enjoy that, and, 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 and Anthony's uh, solid by this time in the in the timeline, if you will, in the Hong Kong cinema timeline. He's uh, mm-hmm. comfortable. Uh, but the the main uh, duo that we're watching in this movie is mainly you know Patrick Wong and Shirley, which is of the most interest, I think, especially the way... Uh, I love James Pax in the role in Remains of mm-hmm. a Woman, but I love the fact that with Francis and the way this is written, that it's you you might you might believe that he's a changed man you know it's not mm-hmm. as obvious and i actually enjoy that quite a bit uh this uh, the stronger point of uh legal innocence that with francis you don't know really um yeah. and you you believe you believe it more that Shirley would fall for him i mean if, if we're gonna set it up it happens in the same way here that Shirley. It's, uh, she's a bad woman of a man at the beginning of the film. Mm. She's distraught over that relationship ending. It can't go anywhere. And so she is weak as well. And uh, m- receptive to uh, you know, any potential closeness. And uh, so it's good timing in terms of that vi- uh, continual visiting uh, happening. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. Because uh, she's thought to visit Patrick Wong more and more and more and, and all of that. So...
0: To be honest, you watch this movie, and you could take it as, you know, the Patrick Wong character has been, you know, like, or was essentially innocent. Because the only person who's saying he's not in the film is, uh, Anthony Wong. You know what I'm saying? It's only his, you know, making allusions to the, you know, this is possibly what happened that night, you know? And, uh... Everything that's shown in the film really kind of does point to that character kind of, you know, having made a turnaround. Yeah. You know, even though even though there are moments where, like, like the moment where, uh, uh, not what's d- 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 Shirley is visiting Patrick or what have you, and uh, you know, he's like, my, my friend's about to show up, and she's like, you said you had no friends, and then a priest walks in. That, that seems like totally set up yeah, yeah. in order to, you know, I was watching and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, it's, a, it's almost like, you know, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, I know that you're deeply religious and, by the way, I just happened to have a priest showing up, you know, mm. whoop-de-doo, you know, I can't <laughs> believe that happened. You know, that seems like that's set up and, like, that, that there's going to be a reveal or whatever that, you know, he knew or whatever that she was coming by that day and, like, he had plotted it out that the, so the priest would show up and yada 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 you, you expect those turns but that doesn't really come you know that's just kind of left up to the viewer to go okay is that no. what he did or is it it's just one coincidence of the few, uh,
1: it's one of the few very obvious uh, uh, obvious signs of him being kind of a manipulator and uh, mm-hmm. not uh, not maybe as nice as uh, it looks and all of that but i i, I kind of enjoyed that that huh? Uh, kind of lost perspective on uh, how to be sneaky about his ways I don't know and just uh, w- went all obvious but uh, I, I, I I like the depth provided here via, because b- both actors are really good and uh, Francis and Cecilia are really good together despite not being together very much because they're separated by a pane of glass uh, most of the time and it's um, I, I, I like the flashback structure here as well it, uh, it's, uh, it jumps back and forth just like Remains of a Woman did and uh, there's um, Continual usage of uh, not, thats only semi true. No, uh, this jarring shots here and there, and editing employed by Chia Chun-Yi, like when Shirley Wong visits uh, Kitty, who's not in the movie a whole lot, and uh, the editing and shots intensifies when she says she threatens to be uh, to kill herself, and then she starts like uh, to uh, forget, bite herself or something like that. It's like whoa, 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 whoa—you whoa. know there's some in- brief intensity. That Chachunier utilizes that uh, I I like a lot, and this is all during like Shirley's, you know, most distraught uh, uh, time in uh, time in this movie. Because I think she says at one point, you know, I can't help myself. How can I help you, despite you know being like the, this Christian volunteer? You know, she, she's disillusioned yeah. and angry at the same time.
0: Right. Both films and... kind of like avoid like the way that Shirley and the real way that Shirley and him uh and Patrick met which was Patrick uh saw Shirley visiting another uh inmate and basically mm-hmm. you know asked the dude like hey can I get her to visit me too
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh that ultimately led to it or whatever you know in this film he uh she just goes to visit him i suppose and he asked for like 20 packs of cigarettes and you know, which is—that's a very manipulative move, right there, too. But uh, he quickly throws that away, and like they fall in love, or what have you. And
1: it's—it's—it's mm. mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's interesting the way these scenes are shot. It could have been overdone, but uh, because here mostly uses this blue lightning scheme, which is a very light blue, uh, very decolorized at the same time. Which is something you saw in 80s Hong Kong cinema, 90s Hong Kong cinema. And it was rarely overdone, in my opinion. It's uh, all, yeah. almost always really cool. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I like it. And these dialogue scenes, there are quite a lot of uh, them between Cecilia and Francis, are, are, are really captivating oh, for two uh, reasons really one that it is um i believe francis definitely dubs himself because i know that voice and i believe cecilia does as well i, uh, I would be surprised if she didn't uh, because she was a working actress and uh, and it was no stretch for working actors and actresses to go into the dubbing studio and uh, perform re-perform as well you know charlton fat did it all the time Stephen chow did it all the time and, and even francis so uh, and uh, I think during one of these dialogue sequences, we we see some even startling gore when when the wound of uh, Kitty is uncovered, and we we get a uh, we get a second of the result of her suicide attempt on screen, like this yeah. massive wound, leaking gore, you know, leaking blood. You know. Whoa, you know that, that that's good shock value for for the movie. It's like not one of those lazy shocks that you that you have in movies. And um, so so it's all. The, it's all a very somber tone, thankfully, no uh, out-of-place comedy, it's very, uh, that decolorized look, light blue look, helps that somber tone. And I, I like, uh, and I'll, I'm kind of curious about your perspective on this, if you noticed it, that Cha yi despite shooting very basic dialogue scenes with them on each side of the glass, seems to want to set up different shots all the time. You know, not just reflective shots, but kind of move the camera a little bit and and uh, make it varied, rather than having three, four scenes that look exactly fucking same.
0: Yeah, nothing I noticed in particular, but now that you mention it, yeah, the, that would get, I, I imagine there, such scenes would get monotonous, because a lot of the movie does take place in that same room, you know, with that same glass, mm-hmm. with those same phones. Yeah. But, yeah, the movie doesn't uh, avoids that monotony by, you know, it does keep, like, a, a lively type of atmosphere.
1: Mm. It's, a li- it's, a, it's a little bit different in terms of setups, you know, or t- mm-hmm. twist it a little bit to make it fresh each and every time. Right. And and the reason I also like France's portrayal of the character and as it's written is that uh, you... He does get us on board in terms of sympathy because he doesn't take advantage of her in an obvious way. Because he he looks uh, the way she breaks down in front of him when talking about her relationship and he looks genuinely sincere, you know. He's not the obvious manipulator at all, really. As we alluded to, it seems like he has a heart. uh, That he, at least towards her, you know. Um, And I enjoy that with, with Francis, you know. You can see that in his eyes and it's maybe... He does it too much and that's the sign of him not being sincere but uh I, I kind of dig that actually that uh we don't know if we don't know the story then we don't know hmm, Patrick is might be uh might be uh, able to be saved you know <laughs>
0: right it's open for interpretation i yeah. think
1: did you think that that, that it was obvious obvious that uh, what he was doing or did you think he seemed sincere uh, in terms of that uh, character, is, is um, you know, is showing sincerity towards her. Uh, I think
0: it because... starts off one way. I think like the sequence I mentioned earlier with the priest and all that, which is earlier on in the film. I, I think you're supposed to see it as one way, yeah. but just like with Shirley, you know, you start to basically start doubting yourself, and you start, you know, by the end of it, by the end of the courtroom scene. Sequences, you know, you kind of like it. Hmm. Everything points in one direction, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But you know, after the Anthony Wong discussion and the final shot of the film, you know, you're you're left with, you know, it's 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 one way or the other. You know, hmm. there's really no telling.
1: But uh, I mean, they they do portray the case as it uh, was, and I think there's no doubt in in my opinion that uh, you know that uh, he. His agenda was different than the one on the outside, but uh, it's um, the choice here is interesting, and I like to have that uh, contrast against *Remains of a Woman*. I really think it's interesting, and I think Francis brings a whole lot to, to that. Then, and, and, and Cecilia too. I mean, you believe that heartbreak. You know, there's a scene at the at the cemetery where she meets her uh, lover and his family, uh, and, and and as a comedic side note, you hear uh, like presumably his son. Looks like five years old. Dubbed by a teenager who hit puberty, clearly. clearly. <laughs> it's like this very deep voice. Hi. <laughs> it's like if you were to do a five-year-old impression, you know. Hi, I'm five years old. Hi. You know, that that, that was... Because it's a post-dub movie. That was a weak, weak source moment for, by the dubbers, you know. Yes. Uh, but that five-year-old is not a, a central character or anything. But that heartbreak when she, you know, just says... Uh, hi to him and greets his family because she, she knows. She obviously can't uh, talk about them being lovers in front of the family. She, she turns around and has that heartbreak and that, uh, and, and that crying scene, obviously. And I, I don't know how you feel knowing Cecilia a lot, knowing Cecilia a little, but for my money's worth, it, she is such a classy and luminous actress and brings that genuine sense of sense of heartbreak to the table.
0: Yeah, that was probably the most uh, poignant emotional you know, a little shot in the film, I would say.
1: Yeah, and then it leads to um, that relationship deepening with Patrick, and I love the little touches uh, they write for her, that she, uh, uh, on the next visit, essentially, she is more made up and a little bit sexier, which is something Mm -hmm. Patrick Patrick notices, and then she uh, breaks down in front of him, and I think it's very real, and I, I like the fact that he does it overdoes it a little bit in terms of I'm here for you I'm here for yeah. you the, it's, it might be the character uh, you know uh, surface that very tuned surface uh, cracking a little bit and not being as convincing I don't think Francis is uh, overdoing it uh, as an actor you know making a uh, faulty choice right
0: at, at that point in the film though you know I mean the introduction to the character is like he's almost not wanting to see her or anything like that so you know once again you kind of got that pendulum of you know well is he being you know is he a user or is he just you know being you know cracked by her
1: mm-hmm. you know and seeing exactly.
0: her human you know what i'm saying it, you got uh, different ways you can read into it
1: yeah definitely and she's not the one that the preachers uh the ways of god apparently he's found that we have a male male priest a western priest uh, that gets introduced quite uh, out of the blue so yeah. so so when i was watching it again it's like wait a minute is she part of that christian volunteer group or is she a social worker because you never know they might have rewritten it that way uh, right. but uh she is part of the christian group uh, but uh it seems like more social work than uh than converting if you know what i mean
0: yeah for sure
1: uh, not a religious sect kind of thing going on either. So. Hmm. Uh, I, you know, us being uh, found footage horror fans, I like the fact that some of the clues and the reveals happen via shot, uh, home video footage of uh, the trio. Yeah. And one of the key items or key aspects of what happened during the night takes place during like the very last shot of them on video because they knocked he, he films. He films the sex. Uh, presumably, we don't see that, but presumably he films uh, them having sex. Uh, his uh, his women and him ha- and him having sex and uh, marks the tape with uh, LA Law. <laughs> Did you notice that? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which would be kind of sh- sh- shitty because hey, LA Law. I want to watch LA Law. That sounds good, series. Wait, hold on. <laughs> uh, but um, I would rather mark my tape like a paint drying. That's <laughs> you know, oh, boring. Um, so, so I like that they, they provide a little bit of found footage, uh, not horror, but uh, that little element, and that always plays well with me, and I know it does with uh, you as well, mm-hmm. that, that genre, if you will. Um, and, and it's interesting too that Cecilia's character, I don't know if this happened or not, but she actually stays at, she has nowhere to stay, so she stays at his house. Mm. And this is not a rational thought
2: no. at all. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not a rational thought at all. I mean, because in that fucking house is still the bloody mattress, you know. Oh, I'm sure it still stinks. Now, you, you, you're waiting for, like, uh, the Cenobites to come out of that bloody mattress on <laughs> <a> Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do you think of that sequence when that character goes that deep, you know, because then you feel like, her. Uh, she's lost now. I mean, th- this is not what you do.
0: Yeah, yeah, that character just kind of... Uh falls deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole I guess you know uh, becomes something else entirely other than just what the story told you know which uh, I guess is part of this movie's charm you know
1: yeah I I like to have that it it makes part of the character arc and it is part of the character arc, and, and by this point, we get the introduction of Anthony Wong as a creepy old guy sneaking around the house. <laughs> which is like, of course. Which is like, yeah, I I think it's fun, but not the comedic element that means the movie has different contrasts. I think it's just. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's not like when you and I watch Daughter of Darkness, where you get this. Uh, Anthony Wong as this cop who investigates this horrific murder this whole family has been murdered and he fondles the corpses and like poses with the bloody corpses with the thumbs up kind of thing like hey look at this he's dead <laughs> so it's not that out of left field it's wonderful in daughter of darkness but it's not uh, here it, it's all uh, even leveled and even tempered mm-hmm. and and it's it's continually interesting actually I, I i rate remains of a woman higher but i think it's continually interesting in legal innocence that the longer Shirley and uh, Patrick are involved, it's clear that this is, uh, by each scene really, more dysfunctional as it goes on. You know, mm. uh, As they're building what they're building, following emotions only. She's following just almost blind emotions. Uh, right. uh, and uh, the only scene that kind of seemed unrealistic, I don't know what goes on in prisons, but surely these the are... Uh, the, well, not the wedding, <laughs> the, 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 the sex scene. Essentially, oh, well because
0: well that but, was like to me, man, that was like a I was like really getting a midnight express uh vibe off of that one
1: uh-huh. where, but, but you uh, know aren't these visits monitored I mean jesus Christ and and uh, <laughs> it's like they they exist in that moment only where she gets naked in front of the glass and they they yeah. make love through the glass as much as they can, obviously, uh so it, it's a primal moment, yeah, but it's like, hey, it's this. I mean, maybe they monitored them the video footage, but still, I, I fully is...
0: expected her to be like, "Oh, Billy!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> C- cable guy,
1: cable guy, yeah, guy, which me. was you know a
0: reference. Topic. I'm here for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, but, yeah, that yeah. That was it, definitely,
0: I think, Midnight Express. Uh, We'll take off on that or something but yeah it, was, it got really to me it, it was like very humorous i laughed during like they're like kissing the glass or whatever like, yeah I, it, uh, it
1: does get you out of the movie a little bit and and the marriage uh, the the wedding scene as well right. where where they kiss and the gods try to pull them off and then they run back in and kiss some more and the gods pull them off and
0: they run back in again <laughs> you <know? laughs> Oh, wow that was
1: so bizarre but I actually like that it, just, it was also primal and intense but I, I like the fact that Francis gets away like three times yeah. <laughs> to, to, to kiss her because it's the first time they obviously touch and all of that and, uh, they don't get uh, monitored uh, uh, visits behind the closed doors so they can have um, uh, sex or anything it's not right. that, it's, uh, it's the wedding ceremony no conjugal visits I suppose exactly uh So, um, but you know, it's um, they they do consist very well. The move, the movies. I think it's uh, it is also important to mention, just like we did with remains of a woman. This is not an untold story in the sign and even cheap, uh, cheap category free thrill just for gore. I mean, it's more mainstream cinema and has more mainstream actors, even in supporting roles that you might uh, not expect in category free movies. Because I think some not. The likes of Simon Yam, though. But some supporting actors, character actors would hesitate appearing within the rating like that. But here's a movie, because it turns into a court drama, that doesn't scream, you know, 18 plus adults only. Damn. And uh, in this movie, we get only brief nudity, I believe, from uh, from the actress playing Brenda ho Yan, which uh, yeah. uh, constant goes... Uh, uh, maybe you know, court, court dramas are okay I, I like watching court dramas, I'm not sure if the folk, large focus on the jury that is was, uh, yeah. is uh, necessary to the extent that Chachun Yu does it, I mean, do you want to explain uh, uh, the focus on the jury?
0: It's like a poor man's I don't know, it's like a homeless man's 12 angry men Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a poor man's, it's a homeless man's uh, Twelve Angry Men. It's uh, I don't know. I, it seems entirely pointless to me. They they just go back and forth between you know the courtroom to, and it can be a bit disorientating. Like uh, mm-hmm. going to these back rooms or whatever with the jury, and like it starts off with one woman who's a Christian or whatever who feels that uh, oh he couldn't have done it. You know he's a Christian mm-hmm. or whatever, and then others. People kind of getting involved, and it's it's not like Twelve Angry Men where it's built upon you know one person conversing and everything about you know finding any actual truth. It's just okay. This person believes him. Oh, this person believes me now. Oh, that person doesn't. You know, it's what the fuck. There's no point to it, really. Mm. I didn't think. And uh, no, it takes I mean, there's
1: me. some decent points here and there, that, like the fact that presumably in Hong Kong, uh, uh, citizens are called into uh, jury duty. Uh, it looks that way in a way because you ha- you got common men and women here and some right. wants to go home they want to play the lottery they haven't done that for a while yeah. and and obviously the families are home and uh, i like that one possibly fakes cancer to get the jury focused again it's yeah. like oh, i want to go home well i have cancer i'm gonna die in six months anyway
0: oh. you think that you think i don't want to be home <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I mean, um, so it could have worked with uh, the movie being set in the, in the courtroom only, rather than the flashbacks to, um, or, or the cut to, them um, deliberating. So Yeah, it,
2: it's goofy. <laughs> mm. uh,
1: so, so, I mean, uh, it takes me out of the movie a little bit. Uh, we, we, without spoiling it again, we, by, by the end, uh, Anthony and Cecilia have their big scene, and Anthony providing his take on what uh-huh. happened and uh, kind of getting under her skin and i i, I love some quirky moments here like because uh, she's obviously a christian and anthony wong comes in there possibly to be a dick about it or possibly uh-huh. not knowing uh what to do in the church and he comes in and says uh, you know going have choi you know doing a luna new year greeting first and then doing a it for you know her buddhist greeting <laughs> you know rather than doing the cross against the chest or what have you so I don't know. I'd like to think that he's being a bit of a dick about it because he knows that he's going to own her right now. Uh, you know, as uh, as the he explains, and the night of the murder plays out. And, and it's a... I, I like... Um, cha chun may not want to do the Clarence Fox style uh, because he's not that kind of director, but I, I like the depiction of uh, this night. Uh, it uh, rings true to the atmosphere that was probably there. And I like the alternate take on... What uh, what happened? And the movie actually provides three different ones, I think, because we get a little bit of a glimpse of what happened, then a different uh, uh, different event, and then the what possibly is at least Anthony Wong's take on it, and uh, <laughs> then it plays out in full. You know what I mean? Rather yeah. in, than in fragments. Uh, and uh, the case was never clear cut, so I like this ending um, depiction quite a bit, actually. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's uh, you know, in reality, they come up with come up with this version of the story it's like probably the most unlikely of uh anything you could possibly imagine but uh it's definitely makes for good cinema mm.
1: it, the the key here is that that that's his take mm-hmm. you know what i mean and like, and but uh, why
0: would you why would you jump to that you know no. <laughs> instead of being a, a little bit more you know a little bit more Occam's razor you know this simpler story mm. instead it's um, but, but a little I, bit more I, complex
1: I actually think it's a clever that it is actually his take on it because uh, yeah she get he gets under her skin but uh, really it's the um, the ending that reveals more about what happens during that night without it actually being another recap of the ending you know the final shot mm-hmm. essentially uh, So, so it's uh, it's all up in the air but I enjoyed the alternate take on events um, uh-huh. quite a bit. And uh, the, the shock value of, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say what it is, you know, as as Francis Zoom's character in Anthony Wong's retelling starts pouring acid on Brenda, she springs to life <sighs> and has a horrible piece of um, uh, makeup on her chest because obviously the acid has burned through her. And that's just a right. shocking-ass sequence because you don't expect expect right. that. You know, if you say you expected that, Joshua, then you're fucking lying to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because, uh, you you know, you, you presume she was dead. It's, it was not like they shot her and hacked her up and, like, uh, right. pulled out her heart and uh, took out her brain. They, you know, they they she got head trauma. You know, we know that. But the acid sprung her back to life. And that's a terrific little moment.
0: Yeah. In this version of the story, essentially both <laughs> characters killed her, you know. Mm. First, first you have uh, Kitty kills her, and then, or thinks she killed her, and then you have uh, Patrick who pours the acid, find out, finds out she's still alive, and kills her.
1: So, um, yeah, I mean that, that's probably it uh, for me. I, I think it's very, very solid. Uh, I, I like uh, to pair these movies up. What they're not redundant when being paired up, you know, uh, what one is not like unnecessary i think it's uh, cool to have to have both and to see different uh, takes on the story
0: i think the nature of the case kind of allows for a lot of uh you know interpretation and Mm -hmm. uh, i think that that kind of works good in the case of these two movies so it gives you the chance to watch them and get two very different you know depictions of the same content but you know it's not uh I mean, I don't think either film I would go show into the victim's families, you know, no. or nothing like that. But, uh, you know, I think that both of them are still kind of honest to the case a little bit, you know, a little bit more Absolutely. than some. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if uh, the uh, unsubtitled final text on, the le- on legal innocence details uh, possibly the end, um, um, t- t- talking about the end of the relationship between uh, Shirley and Patrick and or the phone line thing.
0: I actually read that. I'll see if I can find that. Right. I actually found on the internet uh, the last lines of the movie, which are kind of pasted over uh, Francis Ng's face, and it's, uh, By law of Hong Kong, anyone who succeeded in an appeal can't be sued for the same reason again, unless the same, unless a person admits the guilt and has enough evidence to prove he committed the crime. Which is basically I guess kinda like what is it, uh double indemnity or what is that, uh yeah, possibly. Something like that. Whatever it is, it's a similar thing. They have it in the United States. If you're found uh to be innocent of a crime or whatever, then you can't be found guilty. Again, that's why like something like the when O. J. Simpson was, you know, found innocent, it's not like he could be taken to trial again for the murders because he was found innocent so you mm. know that they had to end up finding you know the family of nicole brown or whatever they had to find new reasons to sue him for other stuff and yada 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 and it's
1: and, and presumably patrick never went on trial again therefore right uh, what's that,
0: what's that? there's this one movie what is this stupid movie with the... Uh, i forget the actress's name Okay, that's a good way to start. What's the
1: stupid, name of that? stupid movie? I have fifty thousand of those. It's Joshua. a
0: stupid movie about a chick. Who is, uh, <laughs> Do you have that
1: guy who was in that movie? Last in the movie, the found, you know
0: that chick found guilty of killing her husband, and uh I think she goes to prison. Ashley Judd, I think, is the actress. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Anyway, she, she's found guilty of killing her husband goes to jail, I don't want to think she escapes or some shit, and she gets out and kills her husband, because he, re- he didn't really die, he faked his own death, so when she got out, she like goes after him to kill him, or something
1: like that, because... Is this she, one of those Morgan Freeman movies? Yeah, there? something
0: like that, I don't know, it's nice. one of the late 90s, post-7... Nice thrillers or whatever and uh some
1: stupid shit about some shit uh, uh, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> stupid fucking movie <laughs> yeah it's just okay. very good i just remember that it's like same type of deal where she's already been found guilty of it once so she can get out of jail <laughs> and go just kill the dude
1: i i, I believe um I, I i i see the swedish title in front of me which i think was uh, one of the does morgan freeman uh, murder investigation movies was translated as, and he loved them all. Uh, but 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 I don't think it's the same uh, it's like title in English.
0: Roles or something like that. Yeah,
1: that's it. That's yeah. it. Uh, but uh, whatever. I don't uh, we it's... we are done for legal innocence. I think, uh, as I said, we uh, we approve and uh, not mildly approve. Both are decent. Both are solid. I recommend remains of a woman over legal innocence, but do pair them up if you can. Uh, it's not easy to though uh, uh, As for availability, Ocean Shores had Hong Kong rights and put it out on VCD and Laserdisc. But no DVD has followed to this day, and uh, best bet is used copies of the Laserdisc, for instance, and Torrents, if come, if worse comes to worse. We're not trying to make it difficult for you, but this is a show about specialized cinema, and mm-hmm. therefore specialized cinema is often uh, obscure and rare, and you have to look at other formats. So it, it's not like we enjoy Having it, yeah. but but thinking uh, we're cool because you have it, uh, we have it and you don't. <laughs> you know, if yeah. you know your way about torrent forums, uh, then then you should be able to get this and remain, remains of a woman. If uh, you don't have a laser disc player or can't find used copies, uh, so that is it. And Ocean shores are not active in Hong Kong anymore, anyway. So uh, may I, but uh, they're not releasing uh, vintage titles. So uh next time though on the regular episode we're back in the tidy white theater for a do a look on smutty movies about making smutty movies Ooh. behind the scenes um, uh behind the scenes on making category free cinema uh, not documentaries but uh, feature movies and there are a few movies to pick free mainly that i know of so we'll be watching temptation summary 2 which has no relation to one other than the imagery of the Category 3 Superman that Lee Chung-ling uh, kind of played in Temptation Sum- Summary 1. He's in the 2, but he's never in the costume. Uh, but they, they do feature uh, feature it uh, at the beginning of the film. Lee Chung-ling is in it, uh, Temptation Summary 2. It's about uh, making Category 3 movies. And we're also going to look at a very little scene movie that I enjoyed quite a bit. The Legend of an Erotic Movie Star. With a poster title reading "The, L- the Ledgen of Erotic Movie Star," L <laughs> E G G E N. That's on a poster. A wonderful poster, a wonderful, um, wonderful uh, model shot of the actors in question, and it's a it's a quite a good comedy. Stuart Ong, I believe, is in it uh, as well. But um, it's all good fun. The return and uh but as we like doing the bonus bonus episodes we will be doing one for that episode as well because one of the most known movies that are about making category 3 movies is the Derek yee co-directed movie viva erotica starring leslie chung and shu Kaye in her breakout performance that she won an award for uh but uh, I'd rather have that in the bonus episodes to mm-hmm. be honest uh, in the main episode I want to do these two slightly obscure movies uh, so and uh, because you can't relegate really uh, relegate really Lee Chung-Ling to any bonus episode oh, you, uh, you know no, main episode got them <laughs> and, and Stuart Ong gotta be in the main episode absolutely so. it's our boys so, um, so we love uh, I love you Leslie Chung I miss you and I love you Shuke. D- during this time but uh, you, you have to settle for bonus boner episode <laughs> You know, you have to be content with the buying episode. <laughs> so it's going uh, to be
0: meta up in here.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, all righty, we are done. This is the contact information again. Podcastonfire.com uh, is the site where this show is at. All the other shows and the bonus episodes. Podcastonfire at googlemail.com for email feedback. Facebook feedback, facebook.com forward slash PUF network. Join the discussion group. Uh, type in Podcast on Fire network in the Facebook search bar. Delegate get to the group follow us on twitter twitter twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire my writing and video reviewing sogoodreviews.com and sleazykvideo.com and my tweets twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews and subscribe to this weekend's list on itunes and if you like us uh, please leave a little rating and even if you don't like us leave a little rating and a written comment that would very much be appreciated if you take the time out of your busy lives so thank you very much and stream us on Stitcher uh, the application available to your iPhone iPad Android or Blackberry and uh, once you're in there type in podcast on fire network or this weekend's lease and uh, either option will uh, get you build, uh, get you this weekend's lease. you can add each show on the, the network individually if you type in podcast on fire network though if you like multiple shows and uh, the guy who designed the intro and the outro you're about to hear is Brian Kirby hit him up at shelflifeclothing.com and buy some t-shirts got Damn it! Do it and uh, <laughs> do it! God damn it! Buy his uh, buy his Tyrannosaurus versus Wolf Human or uh, Gambling Vampire T-shirt. You know, that uh, Gambling Vampire has uh, is the image from the God of Gamblers poster, where uh Fat is sitting in a chair with a deck of cards and Andy Lau is standing uh, standing behind him. Instead here, it's Lam Ching Ying sitting in a chair holding a de- holding a few cards and uh, ho- Andy Lau is a hopping vampire behind him. What? Gambling Vampire. Awesome! If they've made that movie, but they didn't. Oh. <laughs> uh, celluloid. Tell us your URL again, please.
0: Variedcelluloid.net and find me on Facebook. facebookcom slash Celluloid. What up? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is your b- breaking, bad, uh, b- breaking Bad infatuation coming in there? Yo, bitch. Mr. White, <laughs> bitch. Very celluloid, bitch. Very celluloid, bitch. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. All righty, <laughs> let's stop the real life fucking for now. We'll return to it, I'm sure, but uh, this is us for this time. So, this has been Slitk. And with me was the Great Lord, Josh Hermione.
0: Yo, peace. Bitch.
1: Bitch. <laughs> I'm more mild, uh, timid like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, peace, bitch.